top heavy. Welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast at United's Best Friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and this week I'm talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Howdy. Deja vu, James. Deja vu, it's indeed. Like we've been here before. Many, many times as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dreaded uh, thing that no podcaster wants to do, and that is re-record an episode because Audio Gremlins destroyed your original copy. And the pressure's really on now, because if it's a shit episode, people will be like, what was the point in redoing it? What was the point? <laughs> but then also you're in competition with yourself, because it's like, I made a good I made a good joke, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll just have to laugh in the same place. <laughs> um, but apologies if you're a regular listener, and tonight, today's episode didn't get out on time. Obviously, uh, we found the audio gremlins at the last minute, so we're re-recording, and the second this is done, it'll be out there for people to enjoy and and I don't know. Well, enjoy, <laughs> listen to. Listen to. <laughs> but it's a good topic. This is one of them. I mean, we've done 148 episodes now, plus bonus episodes. Always. On all sorts of different movies. Clint Eastwood, Halloween, Christmas, our own little game shows. We've done so much, mate. And then 148 episodes to get here. Buddy cop movies. Buddy cop movies. It's it's a beloved, you know, franchise, or sorry, uh, genre and subgenre in film. And that is the buddy cop. The genre that keeps on giving, you'll, you'll always have them. And then, he, you know, cops started off in the 80s as the action heroes, then they turned to comedy, and now cops are the real-life villains. You know, it's a weird time that we live in. But it, buddy cop movies have always been like that constant throughout your life. Yeah, I mean, ones that come to mind straight away? Lethal Weapons, obviously, the big one. Got a soft spot for uh, Rush Hour. The big ones, I think that you, you see your favourite in your teens mm. because a buddy cop movie's got action, it's got comedy, it's got suspense, it's got thriller. It could be a romance in him. It's kind of like a gateway to all genres. That's well, true. except for like period pieces, <laughs> Russian documentaries. <laughs> it's a gateway to some genres. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an award-winning time-tested formula in film, and that is the buddy cop plot. So it's you take two central characters and you give them conflicting personalities and motives and watch them as they work to settle their differences while solving a case. Usually, yeah. Yeah, you get... And do you know what? That very simple sentence, and you can do a lot with it. Sometimes you could get a whole franchise out of it. Quite quite often. Quite often. They'll use a dog as well. That's literally what I was going for. And if you don't have the acting jobs to pull it off, James Belushi, <laughs> <laughs> just stick you with a dog and let the dog carry the film. Um, so we need uh, polar opposite characters who smile for gritted teeth um, and hatred as they team up to take down a common enemy. So oddly, acts follow eerily similar to the rom-com. Mm. In that you have the three main acts in this. It's the I can't stand you, I hate to be around you, and then wait, you're not all that bad. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's make a sequel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which it, which will then follow the same pattern. <laughs> it's normally bonded over bloody, bullets and blood uh, towards the end of it, where they kind of um, see eye to eye and resolve whatever unknown issue that they had with each other. But the more chalk and cheese, the more opposite, the more conflicted your two. Uh, main characters are usually the better, but we will delve into some of our favorite uh, buddy cop movies and we will push the boundaries of this episode like we not usually do. So we'll look at some that are a little bit out there and don't 100% follow this formula. But essentially, two main characters working together to solve a case. Yeah, usually against an over-the-top bad guy. Do you know what? You've heard it before. You've seen him. 
And now we're going to talk about him. It's, it's fair to say it's more of a nostalgic tour as well. Yeah, we will. I'm going to give the game away. We will end with Lethal Weapon. Yep. I think we will end there because I, I think you've already identified it's the one that comes to mind. Certainly for me, Riggs and Murtar are the two. You know, one is about to retire. One is rookie. Uh, you know, it comes from a jaded background. Um, that to me is the ultimate and probably the one I saw earliest that set the mold and everything else is then comparable to. But it's good that the list we've got here today that is really eclectic. You know, some are really modern. Some are, like you've already said, comedy, some are drama. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to rehaving this conversation with you, James. I'm going to try and do better this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Now, the key to any of this is you, your two main characters got to have chemistry. They've got to be great on screen. You've, they've got to be believable that they hate each other or that they don't get along or they don't see eye to eye. And then when they come forward, resolve, you've got to believe the bromance or the romance or the friendship that they form. For me, straight off the bat, a newcomer to the game, if you haven't seen it, the nice guys. Oh, it's Shane Black at his best. And he's he's very chalk and cheese at the minute, but you're talking about great casting. Ryan Gosling versus the gladiator himself, uh, oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crow. In a fantastic, they've got great chemistry. It, immediately bouncing off each other. Ryan Gosling in a role I've never seen him before. Kind of like the weasel, which I quite liked. <laughs> kind of, not the, we, the weasels. The weaseling comparison to the hard man. Which is what Russell Crowe is like. The it's like he almost was a, a character from LA Confidential, a film where he just played a bruiser cop. It's just like let's fast forward him. Like ten years later, he's the same person. I like the bruiser cop that Russell Crowe plays, the hard man, the knuckle duster wearing, you know, law enforcer, <laughs> and then the private eye. Yeah. And the the good thing is both are successful in their own right. Both get the results, but they go about it in different ways. And Ryan Gosling, you're right, is the kind of the one that will stumble and tumble his way to, but he will get the result at the end. And that's always a good formula, actually, in a movie. I, you know what? It's a really good film as well. Um, it's a really good film. It's the standout though are the scenes where they're just talking. It's so funny. Mm. It's so natural as well. The conversation. I always go to the conversation they have in the bar, where uh, Ryan Gosling is like beaten up. He's got the, the plasters on his face, and Russell Crowe's just pounding beers. It just, it just is quite genuine, mm. and it's very funny. And and do you know what? Surprise to hear Sleep Hit. I don't think anyone expected it to be as successful as it was. Yeah, I think my brother mentioned it. He's like, dude, have you seen this movie? And I was like, no. And it, I wasn't drawn in by the poster. I was a Gosling fan, Crow fan, but it just, it didn't, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. I think because of the time it was set in. It didn't distance itself from anything mm. on the poster or the trailers. However, when you got into the film, or you were, you were Oh, I loved on. it. When, yeah. I, when I started watching it, I thoroughly loved it. And what you need as well, and what I think is also an added. Um, bonus to the buddy cop movies is when you have a particularly dark and gritty storyline. Oh yeah. You know, so in this case it's about a death within with someone who works within the pornography industry. So it has that kind of taboo, you know, sort of storyline to it as well. Um, and I think some of the other buddy cop movies we're going to talk about, it's normally taking down a drug lord who's oh, yes. snorting cocaine, um, you know, or, to, or someone who's human trafficking or something like that. But Actually, you know, murder, I suppose, is always the, the go-to, isn't it? Trying to stop a murderer. And what I like about this is, this movie, and if you haven't seen it, do check out The Other Guys or rewatch it if you, if you haven't seen it for a while. Is Not The Other Guys, The Nice Guys. Sorry, The Nice Guys. Um, quite often it will uh, set itself up and then go the opposite way. So there's a scene when, you know, you're introduced to Ryan Gosling's character and you think, here he is, that, you know, that you're going to see an action scene. And um, he doesn't even get in the building because he cuts his wrist too deep <laughs> and he nearly bleeds out. And you're like, all oh, right, okay. <laughs> and then there's a scene later on where uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are going to um, 
they're in a hotel and, and there's a hitman in the hotel and they open the elevator and there's that much blood and, and bodies. They're like, nah, and they get back in the elevator and just fucking leave. That's what you would do, <laughs> like, isn't it? Yeah, if it, was, if it was a Liam Neeson movie, he would have <laughs> been all over it, you know. Can't be my god. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I liked it that it went out its way and it has those scenes as well with like the hallucination of like the giant wasp or bee or fly or whatever that was. And, <laughs> you know, the, the, those parts to it. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. So... Going, coming out strong, coming out the gates really strong. A fun film, a fun film, and it was an enjoyable watch. Is it, I don't, it might be on the Netflix. It is on Netflix. Yeah. Well, there you go, listeners, check it out. Uh, I'm going to take us somewhere else now, James. I'm going to take us to a movie where we're going to stay on the theme of two people with undeniable chemistry on screen, mm-hmm. but I'm going to break the rules slightly already and say one of them isn't a cop in this, but it is a buddy cop style movie where two people have to work together that are from different backgrounds uh i'll i'll allow it. what are you going with this sailor central intelligence Ooh, with the rock and kevin Hart. you cannot deny the chemistry well, y- yes okay i'll allow it to Again, proceed another movie that i didn't think i was going to enjoy too much of and then when it came out actually really found quite funny and entertaining mostly because of the two central performers They'd done a big campaign on social media, kind of hyping the movie, so I was oh, ready to go when it, it was, came out. It was huge. I think that might have been the, some of the best viral campaign you've ever seen. Were they abseiling or something? They were both doing different videos on, I don't think yeah, it was TikTok, yeah. but they were like... I think it's Instagram Live, and you could Instagram, hear them in each other's a videos. bickering towards yeah. the end. I, that was great, funny. I mean, The Rock can... The Rock could sell you, what don't I need? Japan. He could sell me Japan. <laughs> there you go. I, was, I thought he was in the market for Japan. No, it... Netherlands. <laughs> it's really hard to think of a country. <laughs> it's like, name one quickly. The, uh, I think what works really well with Central Intelligence is, like I say, it's the, it, it's the, it is the chalk and cheese relationship of the six foot bloody two or whatever it is, the rock, you know, muscle bound and he, you know, he's got this backstory that he was the, the you know, the school. It's like the, the, the weakling, the, the loser, the chubby well, singer, the and, bullied, you know, yeah, you know. he was bullied. And he's turned his life around and this is that brilliant joke. He's like, dude, how'd you get like this? He's like, it's dead simple. All you got to do is work out six days a week for four hours for 25 years and you'll look like this. And he's like, oh, great. Is that it? <laughs> you know, he's got that. He's really good. And, but, and then you've got Kevin Hart in this one who's the, the fish out of the water character because he's mm-hmm. not working for the government and he, he's thrown into an environment where, you know, it's not his set of skills. And watching the two work together to solve a case, actually I thought was really enjoyable. I certainly had no expectation, you know, like, it came out, I think, at a time of a run of movies where it was just get two big hot names, up yeah. and coming names, and throw them in a movie where it normally by the third act it's kind of like let itself down. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. It, to me, though, it does lack something. I don't know what it is. I thought it was okay. Mm. And you know what? We've said countless times in this podcast, whilst we are searching for the very best to put them in the vault, sometimes you just come across an okay film, and that's all right. It's all right to be that's okay. It's all right to be okay. It's okay. It's okay. You out there, Mr. Average. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> The, um, <laughs> that's the worst compliment you've ever given anyone. Well done on being average. <laughs> I think Aaron Paul was a bad guy in that movie as well, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember that's that. That's a guy that didn't get the movie career that I think everyone thought. Like. Do, you, do you remember when he came out? Um, it, it was hot. It was a time it's like, oh, Breaking Bad had just ended. It was like, oh my God, he signed up for the Need for Speed film franchise. And everyone was yeah. like, oh, it'll make his career. <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. We've got the Fast and Furious franchise for that. No, it won't. It's so weird because he's so brilliant as Jesse Pinkman in Breaking he's Bad. Good. Did he win like three Emmys or something? Like, oh, it, towards the end, it was it was like Frasier levels of crazy, wasn't it? Like every time he had an Emmys and Frasier was on, it was like, just give it to Frasier. What's the point? But he was taking him left, right, center, more so than like Cranston. And, you know, I think the writers of Breaking Bad got a lot of awards as well. But, you know, like you would think the gateway into... But I, 
I don't know, maybe there's a really obvious Aaron Paul movie that I'm not thinking of, but nothing really comes out that is like, oh, that was a really good. There's nothing that I can recall that's blown me away where he was it. And what's really good is I think he, he's got a great villain in him. Mm. And maybe he was a great villain in Central Intelligence that like I completely forgot. But... Deep cuts, man. He was in a corn music video way back in the day. Back when I used to watch Krang TV and I used to like corn. Mate, you just you just nineties out <laughs> so much. This is two thousand, mate. So behave. <laughs> All right, new metal certainly came out in the two thousands era. Kerrang! Uh, does that still around? Yeah, it is. Does it just play that um, system of a down song? Because yeah. every, every time I put it on, that was the only song. Break up! I don't know. What's Wait, hold on, hold on. Is that system of a down on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> you you know that song? It was the only thing that was ever yeah, on. Yeah. Chop Suey by Sisma Down. It was, it was essentially, I remember when I went into my uni bar and played Scatman for 40 minutes straight and got kicked out as equivalent of it. We just put it on for days. Now I'm going to boldly go where this podcast has been before because we've done this already. And that is... That's take off, mate. And that is to films so obvious buddy cop that they put the two names of the cops in the title of the movie. Yeah, what are you going to call it though? Well, Tango you... and Cash apparently. Oh, do you know what? Well, this is a great debate, which will not get the fluency that we had it before. Is Tango Cash a good film? <laughs> because the critics would say no. But do you know what? It's the last film of the 80s and they ate East. Yeah, it, I found that out reading about that this week, that it is officially the last movie of the yeah. 80s. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's a thing. And on a film that celebrates the 80s, you know there's a special coming up about Tango Cash. Oh, I love Tango and Cash. I love it. The over-the-top villain. I love the fact that they, you know, it's... And I love this. I absolutely adore this. The two top cops get their name and picture on the front page of the paper constantly because that's what newspapers do. It's like, oh, he, he, Stephen, uh, Stephen's like, yeah, he wishes. Sylvester Sloan is the greatest cop in the world. Here's a picture of him just in case, you know, you can never do undercover work. You can never do anything like this again. And uh, they keep notes. I really like that. It's like, um, you see Kurt Russell goes back to his worn down house. He's got paper clippings. You know, there's like a kid who's like, I see you in the newspaper again. And you just think, wow, this is bollocks. Set him up because... That's not suspicious at all. Everyone will go, oh, the two best cops, guilty. Mm. There's no cover up here. Send them to prison with literally the most over-the-top uh, prisoners ever. I, I, do you know what? I love Tango and Cash. And I celebrate its crapness. Yeah, that is it. It's celebrating its, its corny <laughs> cheesiness. Like, the tagline should have been, you know, one has a mullet, one has glasses. Tango and Cash. <laughs> it's not the way you thought it was. It's Tango not and Cash. But also, that what's weird about this one is, uh, as we talked about previously, they bond in the shower, which is which is a bizarre place for two people to bond. Yeah, but when we first met, you didn't like me. Then we had a shower and it was fine. That's true. That's true. That's what we're so, talking about. So the legend continues. No, um, I really like it. Do you know what? You've got like a young Terry Hatcher in there. The last, I believe the last fight scene, I'm sure they get like a James Bond-like Q-type character who just gives them like this over weapons. I'm sure there's like an armoured RV that just drives through the building at the end. It, it started off as like a, a cop drama, you know, two... Two wrongly accused people um, have to team up and prove their innocence. And in the end, they're just driving around like a mine shaft in a fucking RV. It was so weird. What a great film. Talking of prison, um, I watched a really good three-part BBC documentary uh, uh, program this week. So is that? Is it Time? Time. Did you, what did you think of it? I loved it. And do you know what I loved? I, oh, mate, are you ready for this? Mm. I love Sean Bean. Yeah. Sean Bean can do very little wrong. Sean Mean picks films like occasionally he'll, he'll just play like, he'll go down that genre of a lot of films I've been watching like Rise of the Foot He'll just play like a football hooligan in like a really low budget thing, say the C word constantly. Well, he peaks it when Saturday comes, mate. Well, obviously. But then but then he'll do like, you know, he'll be borrowing me here. Lord of the Rings. He's got like this weird career, but I just, and do you know what? I was thinking when I was watching this, 
Sean Bean passing on the torch of, yeah, I'll do it, Mr. I'll do it, to uh, Stephen Graham. Because, do you know what, Stephen Graham is brilliant in this. And Stephen it, Graham's brilliant in everything. He is in everything. And that's when I got thinking, is he the new Sean Bean? When Sean Bean retires, hangs up his uh, hat, I don't know. When he actually dies. <laughs> when he actually dies, but no one will believe it. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming back. Um, yeah, so I was watching that. I was, I was, Stephen Graham blew me away. So did Sean Bean. But so did everyone else. And it was a really fun game. I don't know if you played this. It's like, which in when we're watching Time, you were thinking, oh, what? series of line of duty is that character <laughs> it's just like oh that's tommy he was in series one it was it was a great british drama yeah if anyone hasn't seen it it's on bbc iplayer at the moment it's a free parter starring sean bean who goes to prison for an incident won't give the story away and uh, stephen graham plays a prison officer now they their life's obviously intertwined because they're in the same prison but they have two very separate storylines oh, yes. and that's what's really good about it is their two storylines don't intertwine no so they it's share a building. really good, actually, that you kind of get, you know, because I thought at some point, how is Sean Bean's character going to come into contact with Stephen Graham's dilemma that he's facing? And, and it uh, never does. Never does, but in a great way. Like, as an audience member, you're thinking, how does it all fit? Mm. And there's something quite um, satisfactory about how it maybe doesn't. Like, um, no, I don't want to get into too much. You're watching it for great performances. Everyone gives it all, gives it their all. I was really weird. Sean Bean's like, you know, Mr. Sheffield, Mr. Britain. Um, Mr. O2. Mr. O2. And in it, he's he plays like a, a former teacher. He's quite timid. And there's a scene where, you know, he's getting like, he doesn't belong in prison because obviously there's these young offenders. It was I've never seen him play like vulnerable before. Yeah. This yeah. vulnerable. It was different vulnerable. It was really good. I really liked it. And I like the metamorphosis he goes through as the series continues. Yeah. Just like you watch the metamorphosis of Stephen Graham's character. Yeah, one certainly, you know, elevation in the bizarrest place, and then the other is certainly someone falling apart. It is it, a, it's, it was really interesting actually. I'd probably go revisit it at some point. But expertly films like just fucking BBC drama, man, just get it. And it's got that great BBC thing where they're not afraid to say stop. Mm. There's no, there's not like twenty episodes. It's not like an American where this would be like five series, twenty four episodes. It was, th- it was three hours. Mm. It's like if you've had your fill, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, really believable characters as well, like those prisoners, and they were always kind of like caricatured. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. So back on to um, Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, no, that one's done, mate. Let's go to Tony and Hooch. Well, do you know what, of, of the films you could have gone with? Do you know what, you know, you take the, you take the piss out of uh, Jim Belushi. However, Tom Hanks, he's got acting skills, mate. Why would you point him with a dog? Well, I never really liked Hooch. <laughs> I'll be honest, he's, he drooled a lot. I think he was too drooly. I like I, Hooch, man. I was as a kid. It was it was not the dog for me. However, that's because I'm biased. I had a border collie. Wanted a border collie on the big screen. Now, um, so is what it has time in kind to it. When was the last time you watched it? A long, long time ago. Exactly. My, my memory of this movie is that um, it, it's one of them films where Bruce uh, Bruce Willis, Tom Hanks, sorry, was coming to the point <laughs> would Bruce Willis have even known he was there he was starting against no, the just, dog I just randomly saw a picture of Bruce Willis no, no just say if it was the other way around he'd be like who am I with that dog it's like oh okay yeah, do you want me to play the dog no Bruce <laughs> do you want me to voice the dog what's <laughs> going on here <laughs> um, Tom Hanks is, is, is you know obviously not, it's pre-household name Tom Hanks but certainly making on his a way yeah. yeah there is the thing is when you've got a dog that's about waist height don't have your main, main performer in pants for like too many scenes. Sound like the bath scene as well. Is he trying to give it a wash? Is that the same? Yeah, but there's that bit, but there's also the bit where he like accepts like hooch into the house. 
in his He's kind of giving him the rules, like, you know, like, here's where you're going to sleep, that kind of thing. It's like, there's a lot of crotch shot. There's a lot of, ha- too much hanks. <laughs> or not enough. <laughs> if you're going to tease it, go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> too much hanks. Um, Do you know what? It's, I think the problem is, kind of forgettable as you get older. I think, you know, if you saw this kid as a film like I did early 90s, oh, great, amazing. Oh, my God, it's Tom Hanks with a dog. That's amazing. When you look back on it, when you're approaching 40, you're like, yeah, it was, it was a dog. <laughs> yep. Don't understand how that even works. Like he comes in and shows the dog around or just go, there's your bed. <laughs> Pedigree chum. Is that all right? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, this is, this is, it's is like the thing with Hooch was he was more dog than cop. He's <laughs> getting that balance. But, uh, <laughs> do you know what? If we, we'll stick on dogs and go canine as well, just quickly. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, I love the fact that, you know, we talked about this. I've made this joke before. It's like, you always, the captain of like the submarine is always the one that never follows the rules. <laughs> it's like, yeah. he's, he's a hero. Give him a warship in this. These two dog cops that are better than the humans don't follow rules for shit. It's like the terrible cops. Like canine, just like shits the bed, <laughs> eats all the food. Try. I'm fairly certain doesn't canine interrupt Jim Belushi having sex? He cock blocks. It's like <laughs> this dog is not a very good actual police dog. Um, but that said, if you're gonna talk superior film, it's turning around hooch. See, that's my problem. I think in in canine, the dog is is too much cop and not enough dog. <laughs> when he jumps in the way and takes a bullet, yeah, and then he takes him to hospital. It's like, what are dick doctors like? We only operate in humans. It's like that, that dog's a hero. <laughs> it's safe, trying to save Jim Belushi's career. It won't. Yeah, uh, Rando the dog was in canine. That was the name of the dog. Jerry Lee played Jerry Lee. The dog had a name, James. That was canine. Hooch and Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee. All right, never forgotten. Um, yeah, Turner and Hooch came out three months after K9. I mean, Hollywood was just like this fucking winning formula. Let's not stop. Let's not stop this train. Well, don't forget a few weeks ago, we also mentioned Benetti and that film. Go back. Yeah, let's leave that let's one. Let's leave that one. The problem is, James, when you recall a previous episode, you've got to get the name right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know if it was Benetti or anything. Yeah. I thought it was Benetti. Anyway, um, tomorrow. Keeping on the names, then the name theme Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, do you know what? I've got no interest in the Fast and Furious franchise. Do you remember when we went to go see Quiet Flash 2 in the trailer came for me? I said, didn't, I nudged you and went, didn't this start with them stealing DVD players? Now they've got cars that are rocketing into space. I swear to God that happens in the trailer. You've got John Cena, one of the like the funniest guys ever, playing like dead serious odd man. And I'm supposed to believe that him and Vin Diesel are brothers and it's never been mentioned once. You know. They're not brothers though, are they? I thought they were brothers in this. No, no, they hate each other. One's a... No, they're brothers. It's like, I've been living in your shadow. We're brothers. They're brothers. Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, no, I'm talking about no, I'm talking about the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh, right. So you've got John Cena. I'm just saying, this is the franchise. So he has lost me. Then they brought out this kind of like, you know, side along. And they are characters from the Fast and Furious franchise, uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson and Jason Statham. And I didn't mind it. Weirdly, though, I like the interaction between the two of them because two hard men. One of them's The Rock. The other one's Jason Statham. They've made their careers on huge action films. They bicker like children, is, and I think that's the best thing. Reminded me of Chris Pine and Tom Hardy in that. Um, this is war. This is war. A crap kind of relationship. Film, yeah. That was a bad version. Yeah, but um, I quite I quite like this. It's, the only thing is, though, you're supposed to believe that like Jason Statham's related to like, Helen Mirren and Vanessa Kirby. That's, and the, Vanessa big, Kirby. that's the bigger shock. And you're like, what? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> you imagine that family photo of Jason Statham next to Vanessa Kirby and the movie has the audacity to say they're twins. Yeah, so <laughs> they're you're twins. Either, yeah, you're either telling me that Vanessa Kirby is pushing 50 <laughs> or Jason Statham is in his late 20s. One of them, <laughs> one of them don't land. I can't believe how much I've embarrassed myself, James, about questioning, you know, 
that you might have thought The Rock and Jason Statham were brothers. Is that how unrealistic that is? <laughs> of course I should have known you were talking about Vin Diesel and John Cena. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> like, that's much more unbelievable. I'd like to point out as well, I'd like to point out as well, this, this film does a very... We're talking about, like, it does a very good job of the dynamic between those two. They're supposed to be half men and they bicker. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be hard men, sorry, not half men. Hard men that bicker. And that's what's funny about it. He's like, they, do they fight each other? No, it's when they're like going, yeah, Jason, you smell. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. It's quite funny. There's a scene on a on a plane, as I recall, was very fu- was quite funny. Kevin Hart. The only downside is, though, I'd like to point out that the villain in this is Idris Elba and he's got Superman powers. And everyone forgets that. He did this and then was a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Idris Elba does fucking awful films. In fact, there is a rule in there that any time he's mentioned on the podcast, we have to mention he was in Cats. Yeah. You don't get a free pass no, after Cats. No. Um, awesome bad guy name though, Brixton. It is, but he flies at one point and can smash cars. I know one thinks that's weird. <laughs> but then again, this is from a universe with cars that can fly in space. So This is from a universe where they come up with technology that no human on the planet has ever seen. Whoa, 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 whoa. But one person can fix it. Dwayne the Rock Johnson's brother who yep. lives on an island in the arsehole of nowhere who's never seen it before but yeah it gives a shot at it mate yeah the world's most powerful engineer who chooses to to build custom custom cars on an island that he's the only one that lives on <laughs> yeah, on an island with no roads yeah. yes <laughs> not a fucking road on this island let's do cars oh Turner and Hobbs I'd watch that Turner and Hobbs yeah just, just, what... repla- just replace just replace Jason Statham with Tom Hanks' character, <laughs> and you've got such a much more film because you could be Tom Hanks. You'd be like, "What? Is, what? What's going on?" Maybe that's what the franchise is missing: is the injection of a dog, a dog called Nos. <gasps> what? What? It's itself, mate. No, copyright this now. A greyhound because they're the fast. They're fast dogs, right? Or a slow one, and that's the joke. That's the joke. Yeah, it's because like they, a, they need to they need to get the dog to go faster to win the DVDs. <laughs> like a dash under something. <laughs> Sausage dog. If they just replace Vin Diesel with a dog in the next movie, would you go see it? And they didn't even explain it. No, I'd fucking front row, mate. And then I'd want it to have, like, oh, there's a third trip that you never heard of, and it's played by fucking Morgan Freeman. He's just like, why not? They're all the same age, all 36. <laughs> I'd love to see it. <laughs> He's just got like the dog and John Cena and Morgan. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to see a casting call from like a film agency like looking for a dog that looks like Vin Diesel. <laughs> I just sort of thing that was, I imagine Vin Diesel would grow, like put some ears on and be like, this is, this is all I've got left in this franchise. <laughs> oh, it's about family and making more films. That's what it's really about. So it's about Hobbs and Shaw way longer than I thought we were going to, but it's also worth mentioning Eddie Marsden's in it. Is he? Yeah, Eddie Marsden is like the uh, Stevie Graham. Yeah. You know, just... Don't know how he has the time to be in so much stuff. Also, I think he's cursed with the is he? Just mm. like is he? Because obviously Shaw was the big one, wasn't it? Where they were saying that there was going Keanu Reeves was going to be the villain, and because there's someone on the other end of the phone, it's left a big cliffhanger about the man <sighs> in the chair who's really pulling the strings. Has it? Don't yeah. they do that in every single one of these though? In yeah. all of these or, or is it John Cena? Is that the point? Is I don't. That, I don't know. No. I, I don't know. No, because then they were falling out. I'm the same as you though. The last time I watched a Fast and the Furious movie. Paul Walker was ordering a tuna sandwich, trying to bang Vin Diesel's sister. Yeah. They were stealing DVD players. Yep. It actually was a pretty good movie. Like, one and done movie. I would have been quite happy with that. And the weakest of them bet his car, and he lost it, and he got very sad and depressed about it. Mm. And then it, Paul Walker had to talk, talk him down from, like, suicide, and then the bad guy showed up and shot him. And it ended with a quarter-mile drag race, which... Oddly yeah, because he worked. Cause, yeah, because he, he's trying to arrest him, but at the same yeah. time, he loves him like a brother and lets him get away with it. You know, like you're talking like point break there. 
It's, it's got heart. In the third one, I'm fairly certain the main storyline is about a car that, that can take corners. Tokyo Drift. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. I'm sure it's just about... I'm sure it's like about... That's the equivalent of Halloween season of the witch. Yeah, he's just like, ignore it. Trying to branch <laughs> off. In, just just fucking ignore it. And now we've got... Oh, whatever we've got now. The, the, I, yeah, I find the trailer's exhausting. When the I'm, biggest grossing franchise, movie franchise, though, which is purely on the numbers, isn't it? Yeah. I'm certain it is. Do you think it'll ever end? Yeah, it'll end it. I, it, it it'll get to 10, easy. Fast and Furious X, it'll happen. Oh, yeah. They've already written, mate, it's extreme. Well, they find themselves, don't they, these movies? They're, you know. Well, we've just written a better one. <laughs> Someone's kidnapped the Queen's Corgis. <laughs> Vin Diesel's last. <laughs> I think that's a movie, mate. I think there is a film where that happens. Does Vin Diesel have to dress up like a dog and <laughs> portray? No, not that bit. I mean, no. the Queen's Corgi bit. Okay. Um, if we were following the theme of films being named after the two central performers, we missed a treat with Crockett in Tubbs, a.k.a. Miami Vice. But Crockett in Tubbs would have been a much better movie for that film. Which one's, which one's Crockett and which one's Tubbs? Obviously, Farrell is uh, Crockett but that's Fox weird. is Tubbs. Because I would have put them the other way around. Colin, Colin Farrell is Tubbs. Yeah, just and Jamie just... Fox is Crockett. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jamie Fox is cool. He can call, he can pull off any name. He can. Um, Miami Vice. I'll, I'll put it straight out there. I, I know it's Michael Mann. I know that it came from that time of you know the just came after collateral, didn't it? Yeah, that hyper realism cameras and everything like that to kind of give it that grittier, more kind of um, you know. Oh, it's like as, as if you're shots. there kind of thing. Yeah. Long establishing shots as well of nothing happening, which work in collateral because you've got like a fox crossing the road. In this, you've got like a yacht crossing the screen. I didn't know. It's just, I don't know. We're going to talk about obviously the next movie set in Miami as well. But there's something about Miami as a backdrop that Scarface fucking ruined it, man. Like now to me, Miami is old people, colourful beach huts and chainsaws in bathrooms. Yeah. And a huge fucking pile of coke. Yeah. Like And horrible looking mansions. Dexter was in Miami. You know, it's that kind of like yeah, I get thing it. now. Hawaiian shirts and murder. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of like street food trucks. I don't like it because it's not fun. Like the, the TV it series it's based on, fun. it does lack fun. And that's kind of, you, I want to see, I want to see Dom Johnson. I don't want to see Dom Johnson, man. I don't really like the dude. I don't know. If you're going to watch Miami Vice and you don't have someone roll up their sleeves on their white suit, you're in trouble. Who does it in such an extravagant way? He didn't give me what I wanted, but to be fair, I'm not really sure what I wanted going in. So I can't really blame you, Michael, man. Just do try again. I saw this when it came out. Um, oh, God, what year did my advice come out? 2006. So I saw it in 2006. It's the only time I've ever seen it. No, I, I think I saw it. I believe it was on something. Because I was on a hive watching Collateral, and I love Collateral. Oh, what a stylish film. And I was like, oh, my God, Michael, man's doing another one. Oh, and he's getting back together with Jamie Foxx. Yeah, disappointed. Obviously... If you're going to watch Colin Farrell as a cop, though, I'd rather watch True Detective Season 2 because that stash yeah. is epic. And a great TV series as well. We're talking about Buddy Cops, just fucking oh, Woody, Woody Harrison and, and everyone's favourite Matthew McConaughey. Mm. A, a TV series designed to make you want to smoke and drink and solve murders. <laughs> yeah. that's, literally, it was just when we're watching that, I really want a cigarette, I want a beer. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic TV series. Um, yeah, that's why Colin Farrell... So it's, it's, it's Chinatown, the TV series. It's so complicated and at the same time, not really. Yeah, Ch- Chinatown, I, I, I watched that like this time last year. When I done my ankle in and I spent a lot of time on the sofa and I watched Chinatown and I was like, yeah, because I think I've seen it. I can't really remember much about it. It's obviously renowned. It's, you know, yeah, it's one of those... taboo now because it's obviously a Roman Polanski movie. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. been like the one of the best films of all time though, isn't it? Yeah, when I did watch it, I was like, 
it does warrant an, a bit of an explanation towards the end of the movie, I found. Yeah. You know, like, it, it oh, I'm not even going to go into it. That's nah. a different episode. But uh, Nicholson, what a performance. Yeah. As always, what a performance. Um, keep Man, us in Miami, baby. Keep us in Miami. We'll go uh, to Bad Boys. Fucking love it. Love, love them both. I now, it's free. It's free. Caveat, I haven't seen the third one. All right. I really like the first one. Everyone talks about uh, the second one being like quite possibly the ultimate cop, uh, the ultimate like buddy cop movie. There's a scene in it where they're trying to, you know, chase down some Haitians and the Haitians are on a, a car carrier and they are throwing cars at Will Smith. Well, uh, this is the second one, isn't this it? This is the second one. Yeah. However, I quite like the first one because it's quite subtle in its over-the-topness. It's, quite, it's about two cops, mistaken identity. Uh, they, they then don't, you know, tell them by the mistaken identity they decide to complete the ruse when you just think it was a fucking joke wasn't it um, Tia Leone love Tia Leone good villain you talked about the villain needs to be associated with drugs they steal drugs from the police so then the internal affairs are involved you know they're getting watched it's time for the bad boys to be good boys but are they no they're naughty boys <laughs> naughty boys would have been a completely different movie <laughs> I just absolutely there's a great scene where um, they get mistaken for robbers and like uh, they pull out the guns and it's like give me some skills absolutely great line made me laugh but I wonder, is that because I was a teenager and I loved this sort of thing? It's funny. It's very funny. Chemistry is undeniable, mate. Undeniable. Will Smith could have chemistry with anyone, but Mark Lawrence, who's, let's be honest, his career isn't great, but he himself is a funny man. I put this on Facebook recently. Someone mm. asked about favourite Eddie Murphy movie, and I was like... Life. Like I said life, yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's plenty, but everyone had picked the big ones. So I was yeah. like, well, no one said life yet, so I'll put life in there. Yeah, and someone was a bit like, oh, it's got Mark Lawrence in it. And I was like, is he is he is he that bad? I quite like I mean, I haven't seen it for years, but Blue Streak was, I was terrible. And Blue Street was one I remember watching as a kid thinking that's not too bad. With mm. the Wilson, Luke Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. But playing the cop. Yeah, but certainly I, a cop movie that we're not going to talk about. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I, but but then you get onto the second one and fucking if you want to see the genesis of Michael Bay. Or he learned to dial out of well, the this name. is the thing. So Michael Bay obviously comes from a music video, MTV background, gets into film, does Bad Boys, which I thought was really good. And I still to this boy. day, if you take Inflation, uh, it, it, Bad Boys on video was is still one of the highest grossing video releases of all time. I, I think this is fair to say that Bad Boys was a generational phenomenon because I think everyone my age has seen Bad Boys. I think also because it was an 18, there was a lot of people that like Fresh Prince. Yeah, they probably couldn't go watch Bad Boys, and then so when it comes out on video, it Fine. became a bit of a, a a big thing. But yeah, there's certainly something about the second movie in it where it was like someone was like, "Hey, Michael, do you know you can attach a a, a camera to a helicopter?" And Michael Bay's like, "Hold my beer, like I would do it in every scene." And then that's when all the kind of slow mo and the aerial shots kind of oh, it, it, it was the, the scene where they get out of the car, the camera shot blow them, and a helicopter passes, mm. and it, but that same helicopter passes them twice because it's there when Will Smith gets out of the car and Martin yeah. Lawrence gets out of the car. Continuity's never been the strongest. Oh God, no. Nor is physics, because like I say, <laughs> if there's a scene where they throw cars at him. The second one was fun. It was a romp. It was a action cop movie. Oh, you know, but, like, the, but the story I was fucking everywhere. Will Smith is banging Martin Lawrence's uh, sister. She's a DA agent who's actually like the proper cop who's got an undercover business going, playing. She's taking, she's taking, oh, who's the, he plays the cosmonaut in Armageddon. Yeah, I, 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 I can't remember his name. name. Um, she's taking his money. She's a, uh, she's pretending she's undercover. So she's actually doing all the hard work. The bad boys come in and fuck it all up. There's, there's Haitians. And I'm fairly certain the film starts at a family barbecue and it ends with Martin Lawrence driving a Humvee through a mansion in Cuba. Yeah. And then the villain gets shot and falls on a grenade or a mine, and it's like, that was a bit over the top. 
And then does it, yeah, because because he can't just die. He has to die again <laughs> for some reason. Do you, do you think um, your villain in your cop movie like this should be the mole? Who are you like? Oh fuck! I didn't realize they were the villain. Mm. Like you probably do. There's probably enough, but it's you know it's they don't know who it is and it's someone who in the police force or it's someone they know and there's the betrayal element, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yo, our brother Toby. You know, <laughs> like do you, do you think that or do you like the one where from the moment they come on screen, you like villain, villain, I've because they're that. normally torturing someone or or they or they're doing something villainous like a drug <laughs> deal or whatever. And from the moment they walk on screen, you're like, he's a fucking villain. For my buddy cops, you've just got to know he's a villain. The other one being like Mr. Joshua. It's like, you yeah. you, you, do, you just, you, I need that villain to like basically be chewing that scenery with a sign above him, neon glowing that says villain. I do like that. I think, you know, when you think of movies like Lethal Weapon 2, Mr. Yeah. Diplomatic Immunity, where you're like, they're going to get you, mate, but we're just, we're just not sure how we're going to get there. <laughs> Does uh, that quite easily? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the henchman as well. You just oh, talked about Mr. Say, Joshua, but again, a lot of these movies we're talking about, we probably haven't given reference. Well, to, with a uh, with a bit of, with a buddy cop, uh, with a buddy cop movie, the uh, main bad guy is not necessarily a hard man. Might be a drug dealer, drug kingpin. Don't need to be. So you always got a primary henchman, and that's usually where the massive. You always have in a buddy cop movie. You always have this. You have the less athletic one will take on the like the main bad guy because it doesn't require strenuous amounts of activity. But then your wild card. Your physical one, he has to take on the main henchman. So we'll save Lethal Weapon. So we'll save Lethal Weapon to the end, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to take a little pit stop to a... Um... Can I just say that Michael Shannon is in... He's everyone's favourite racist in the beginning of Bad Boys too. And well, you should always mention that. Well, everyone's got a death note. Everyone's got... No, I thought he was pretty good, isn't he? His, his death note is Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Christopher Walken. That's a weird... That's just a weird statement. I don't know who it was the other day. I think it was my mum. It was my mum said, I said, you're right. She goes, yeah, I watched the movie last night on, on Netflix. Now, Netflix is, you know, a rabbit hole yep. of movies. You you could have given me a million guesses. I would never have thought she would go, yeah, it was about a kangaroo <laughs> who steals a hoodie. And in the hoodie is like, is it money or diamonds or a key? I think it's diamonds. Yeah. And uh, not in a million years would I have gone, <laughs> You didn't fucking watch Kangaroo Jack, did you? Mom? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, was, it wasn't even like, my mom doesn't even like kangaroos, bro. It's not like there's a draw. She must have been going through Netflix and going, fucking hell, that's CGI kangaroo. <laughs> He's wearing a fucking hoodie. I'll put that on. <laughs> kangaroo Jack's actually two different stories. There's a story about the mafia losing it. It's quite brutal. And then there's a comedy element, which is uh, the He's other comedy very loosely there. James. Well, there's there's supposedly a comedy element where they're trying to get the kangaroo. What's really weird is Christopher Walken and Michael Shannon didn't know that they changed the film. So they're, they're like, acting pretty well in the film like we've got to get his diamonds there's a war in the family and then you cut to these two idiots in the outback with a rapping kangaroo that's and, true. and then afterwards Chris Walker was like that's not the film I signed off it like, doesn't matter because that's the film you're in oh I forgot Chris Walken was in it it's fucking what a film talking about Netflix though like because uh, I watched Van Helsing the other day <laughs> sorry <laughs> just an expression I can't to say, even right? remember why why did we watch Van Helsing it was always oh, that episode where we were redeeming and we were re-watching films that... Oh, you mentioned Van Helsing. Did I not? No. Oh, I tried. But this is the point. I turned it off after 20 minutes. Because oh. the whole point of that episode, if you haven't listened to it, a few episodes back, we did the redemption episode where 
we revisited films that we've never liked that people love and then or at least are you know kind of yeah. made money and revisit them and see if time's been kind and and right, I probably didn't raise it then because I didn't finish it I got about 25 minutes in that's fucking turn it off oh, don't blame the, problem, you. the problem is now Netflix has that algorithm where it's like because you watched and this it, bullshit maybe you like me this. a load of more bullshit and, it, and I was looking at it the other day and it was like because you watched Van Helsing and it was all these other crappy you know like Underworld 5 you know and all these uh, yeah. you know Daybreakers and and I was like is this fucking punishment <laughs> says, because you watched it, you've got to watch these. Mate, I've, I've, my Amazon algorithm I've destroyed because I was just watching Rise of the Foot Soldier. They didn't have the second one. Watched the third one because I, I don't understand what people's fascination with it is. But, but weirdly, I was then fascinated by it, and now, now it's ruined. It's like maybe you'd like this. Oh, you'd no. Fucking Euro start looking. You're watching Rise of the Foot Soldier. I know. Hang on to your game, mate. I'm onto it. <laughs> Thanks, Fudd. <laughs> right, Miami, let's get out of that shell. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to go to The Heat. I love The Heat. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, we're going to go to Boston, James. Bo- Boston, Massachusetts is a great place for a cop place. Paul, five movies starring Sandra Bullock, obviously, and Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, breakout from Bridesmaids, uh, kind of put with a veteran. Yes. So I- life imitates art. You know, you've got the rookie cop and the veteran cop, the good cop and the, the kind of not so good cop, the desk jockey and the, you know, the, the one who gets results. The ass kicker. Yeah, and in this case, you've got that very similar. You've got the up-and-coming Melissa McCarthy, the breakout actor, actor from, you know, who really was great in Bridesmaids. Yeah, the problem is, that I think of filmography, she's usually pretty good. She gives 110% into everything, but the only problem is no fucker else is, like, especially the writer. She gets she gets points some shit. She does. She does. It is unfortunate, isn't it? I'm trying to think of the other actor I used for. He's really good, but just keeps getting points bad movies. It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah, I, I fucking love the heat. I love the heat. I've watched it for the Sandra Bullock episode, and I, I love Sandy. I was gonna love Sandy being no matter what. She can do no wrong. But it was very nice to see a Melissa uh, performance that I really enjoyed. Thought it was really good, and those two had great chemistry. And again, the storyline is based on your preconceptions of the male body cop Joe. So I really liked that. It was a playful bounce uh, off each other. Uh, great acting, chemistry is really good, and that's most important. That if you ever notice this, if you if the chemistry is crap between your two main leads, you're not going to be interested in this. You don't care if they become friends. You don't care if they like, you know, destroy a house in a Christmas. You know, you do not give a toss because you're like live weapon again. Yeah, mm. and you may sort of reference it to that no one will notice, <laughs> um, and then you fight a shark. <laughs> there you go. There's one you might not get. <laughs> but no, I've I the heat. I went into this film with no expectations. It was one of those pleasantly surprised. I I, I think I. I had it on in the background. I was like, I'll do something else. No, it captivated me. And that's that's the one of the best uh, compliments you can give a film that I really thought was going to be bollocks. Yeah, and, and it was, I can't remember if it was a 15 or an 18. I probably want to play my bets at a 15. It's 15, I think. Is it? But yeah. certainly I didn't, I, I remember elements of like swearing and blood that I was like, I didn't think a Sandy B movie would be like this. Because director's got while he was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> while he was sleeping. Fuck you. Like, that, that movie may as well have been called that. It's supposed to be a romantic comedy. I love that. It's like, when did you fall in love with him? Fuck no, you. When, when did you fall in love with my brother while he was in a coma? Oh, it's not like I was fucking sleeping on the job. Like I was fucking in a coma. <laughs> no week will go by where we do not reference the end <laughs> while you were sleeping. It's got to be done, man. I, and plus, I've just, just finished the Mark Ruffalo movie with Bill Pullman in it, and it just made me think of the glorious jeans that he wears. In and the big way Pratt falls. Oh, mate. Um, the Heat, Michael McDonald as the villain. It's a weird one, because when he is the villain in it, spoilers, sorry, 
you're like, he doesn't look like a villain. But then you're like, yeah, but he also doesn't look like a bad guy. He's just this void of somewhere in between because he's got these piercing eyes. He does have piercing eyes. You know, and I remember him in things like Scrubs and stuff like that. He's a very kind of comedic performer. Um, so he's quite short with that. But I'm going to put it out there. Uh, Michael Rappenport. Yeah, there's no end. He appears in very good films. He's one of those weird actors that we always come across that's got an A-lister career, but isn't an A-lister. Mm. He's in one of my favorite films of all time, Copland. He's great in it. And uh, it's also got Marlon Wayans in it, who was in the buddy cop movie, White Chicks. Do you, do you remember when I watched that film like last month, two months ago, for no reason? Yeah. I just felt bad about myself, man. It's terrible. I'm just quite surprised how many fans there are of that film. I was young. I was impressionable. I don't know why I wanted to watch it. Did lure you in? Was it like, come, come, Harry, <laughs> come watch this movie? Come watch White Chicks. <laughs> if it weren't for Terry Crews, I might have hurt myself. I, do you know what? A saving grace of most things, Terry Crews. Um, let's keep going. Let's go to a movie that uh, spawned a trilogy, as did Bad Boys that we've obviously talked about. Um, Rush Hour, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker. Don't you see a lot of Chris Tucker nowadays? You do not, but that's because even to get him back for the sequel and the third one, for the third one, they paid him like a ridiculous amount, something like 200 million pounds, didn't they? Just to get him in for Rush Hour 3. A film, let's be honest, no one was screaming out for. When this film first came out, I'm going to say 1998. 98. Mate. Um, I genuinely think it might have been one of my favourite. If you If we were doing this podcast back then, I was going to say, like, 10 years ago, I just realised about 30. Yeah. <laughs> about 30 years ago. Uh, no, it was... <laughs> Solid maps there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off. Um, no, it's, it's... it's. I think it might have been my favourite. It was just so fun. It's like, I remember the tagline, even as a teenager, because it was so cool. It's like, the fastest hands in the West meets the... No, sorry, the fastest hands in the East meets the loudest mouth the in, the West, in the West. Yeah. The, that's really cool. So when I said I remembered it, I, <laughs> I didn't... Uh, but Chris Tucker was fantastic. But I'm a Chris Tucker fan. And I know it sounds really weird, but because his filmography is so, like, small, well, okay, because I only choose to remember about three of his films. <laughs> I like Chris Tucker. Jackie Chan, well-established art. I just thought it was a great mix. It was like you take, the, you take like, the world of martial arts, uh, like a Hong Kong star, like Jackie Chan, who's, who's had major success, like Police Story, and he basically plays essentially the same character, but you stick him in the middle of, like, L.A., you put him up against, like, Chris Tucker, and they just have so much fun. They're great. However, a lot of the comedies to the bone is a lot of like, I can't understand, you know, I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth. Those scenes now, you say, well, you really couldn't make them. But that's why comedy is subjective. It's a, it's a period of its time. As a teenager, that was I, it was hilarious. I thought it was brilliant. I, I'm not a fan of the other two. I thought they were crap. The second one's okay, but like I remember the beginning, it's in Hong Kong, it was in China, and the bad guys escape by scaling a building that's under construction and somehow get away with it, despite the fact they're going up. Your golden rule is never go up. Yeah, yeah, the, the second and third mirror each other, don't they? I think it's the third one they have to jump off the Eiffel Tower at the end. Oh, see, that doesn't interest me, but I like the first one. I like the playful banter. The story is, is quite simple. It's, you know, it's the kidnapping of um, the cat, the consulate's daughter, Soo Young. Soo Young. Um, and she's brilliant. She's amazing. She's, I, for the longest time, she's one of my favourites. She's so cute and adorable. I was like, I wanted to reach in the film and save her. Um, she's brilliant. And then she cuts the villain. You know, we were talking about henchmen. There's a blonde guy in it, and she beats the shit out of you. He is one of the most pointless henchmen in all of these films. But do you know what? Rush Hour for me, I thought was phenomenal. Tom Wilkinson's the bad guy. Yeah, but I'd like to point out, Tom Wilkinson's in at the beginning, and you're like, oh, well, Tom Wilkinson's not the villain. Fuck off. Because <laughs> then he disappears until the third act of the film when he shows up. I've been like, oh, there he is. There's the villain, <laughs> Tom Wilkinson. Um, but no, I, I liked it. You couldn't remake it now. I think probably comedy has started evolving by the second and the third one, so it started to get less funny for me. But a script goes, and Teenage Me, I loved it. Thought it was great. 
did watch it for this podcast. It's not as funny as it was back then. There's still elements I really like, but the elements I like are the. Let's be honest, Jackie Chan can do things that no other human can do. He's mm. just so he's he's literally he's literally water. He's, he flows off everything. He's so quick and agile. Chris Tucker is still quite funny. There's a line in it that's one of my favorite lines in a buddy cop movie. He says, "My I'm LAPD. My my own mama is ashamed of me. I she tells people I'm a drug dealer. I think that's fucking brilliant. I I, I had fun. I think it's brilliant." However, times evolved and I've evolved. It's it's good, but mm. it's not fault worthy. It's 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 not it's not up to date. It's a product of its time. The East West communication breakdown. You know the clash of cultures. You're right. It, it, it is hard to pull off, and somewhat when you look back at it, it's you hope that it's at the time, and you hope that it's kind of it's laughing with, not laughing at. Yeah. Kind of thing because I think Jack Chan is a great ambassador for Asian film and is one of those, you know, like Bruce Lee and, and others that helps bridge that gap and widen audiences to Asian actors and, and Asian cinema and, and their huge asset and and export, which is martial arts. And this movie, Rush Hour and, and Rush Hour 2, to its credit, both have them kind of breakout scenes, which are so funny, which is, you know, uh, Jackie Chan taking on multiple enemies and Chris Tucker getting his ass kicked. Yeah. You know, right the way through to uh, the second one when they escape the building at the end and Jackie Chan is like they're both they're both on like a um like a wire that's attaching the buildings like a telephone wire and then it snaps and Jackie Chan's like running on the side of a fucking van as it drives past and Chris Tucker's just bashing into the side of it <laughs> and it's fucking funny you know it's really funny um yeah I haven't seen him for the longest time but I did really enjoy him the third the third one was a money thing there was, yeah. there was nothing in that's, that third one that's the one where I think if you look at what they paid to get Chris Tucker into it mm. that film was never going to recoup, recoup its money ever the, the what what the good about the second one is that famous sequel thing spin it on its head the second one is Chris Tucker's the fish out of water yes so you go to Hong Kong and now all of a sudden he doesn't get the culture in the way you know and, but that's good I enjoyed that yeah. I enjoyed the element however yeah, been gone by that I'm thinking the third one I think they bring Su Young back I yeah. didn't. I didn't remember not liking the third one. It is that awesome bit where Jackie Chan in the second one's like, "In my country, I'm Michael Jackson, and you're Tito." Yes, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> That's he, he, goes, he goes, "He goes, you're Toto. It's Tito, man. <laughs> Toto's what we had for dinner last night." <laughs> it's just got loads of good comedy to it. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah. So, so do you know what? if it's on, catch it, but it's never on anything. I had to, I had to borrow this film on mm. DVD from someone. This to me is is Bad Boys One. It's, it's, it's a it's a VHS film. Unfortunately, the VHS is dead. Let's keep it on theme of comedy and a movie that I saw in an airplane and was like, this is so funny. I need to see it like, you know, on a screen, yeah. you know, loud, you know, when I'm not shitting myself because I hate flying. Was it one of these things where you had to stifle your laughter because you were going to wake people up? Yeah, it's that kind uh, of thing. And I just remember watching it going, there's so really fucking special about this movie. And I'm watching it on like a TV screen the size of my hand. Yeah. And that is Hot Fuzz, the Edgar Wright movie. Oh, what a film. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, amongst so many other people. I remember just what a love letter to the to British murder mystery, you know, Midsummer Murder meets, you know, you kind of uh, Agatha Christie style. Oh, it, it takes Michael Bay and it takes Michael Bay Bad Boys 2. It takes like the over-the-top action and basically puts it in an episode of Midsummer Murders. Yeah. And then he plays out and it's brilliant. And the, what's so funny about this, you've got the mismatch, you've got the lazy, sleepy son of the captain, you know, of the of the town where no crime ever happens. And then you have the ultimate that, cop, Angel. Yeah, who's so by the book that London kicks him out of London because he's ca- causing too much paperwork and, you know. Crime's too, too he's doing too good a job. So yeah. they send him where there is no crime, he can do no harm. And hey, do you know what? Edgar Wright smashing it. 
this was obviously coming out after after well, I, I really like Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead and Hoff was always like part of, I don't know which one's best. They're brilliant continuations. Takes some of the best of Britain that has to offer and merges them all in one film. Martin Freeman shows up. Mm. Jim Broadbent in a phenomenal. Timothy Dalton, like Bill Nye. Weird, Bill Nye. Oh, even Steve Coogan shows up one point. I love Steve Coogan. You got, you've got more. Uh, <sighs> Obviously, you, you've got the cameos of Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, yeah, getting stabbed in the hand, and then and you've Kate got Blanchett. hey, you've got Oscar winner Olivia in it. You know, before she did the favor, oh, yeah, mate. She's yeah, Olivia Coleman. She's yeah. in it, mate. Love a bit of girl on girl. Yeah, oh, instantly quite a that movie. What a brilliant. Why don't you fuck off? Well, I can't say it. My favorite one is Aaron A. Aronson. <laughs> or, or, no, the most British thing in this is when they have to get a translator for, oh, and he's like, er, cock. He's <laughs> <laughs> got, even, excuse me, got, um, what's his name? Uh, comedian in it, Bill. Um... That's what I was trying to think of. But no. He's from Black Books. Yeah. It'll come to me in a minute. The the father from Shameless is in it as well. Bill Bailey, sorry. Bill Bailey. But he's got the, like, the head of the Shameless family. He plays like the uh, the the auteur. You know, the, the everyone of everyone's brain. And it celebrates it. It celebrates action movies. It celebrates the fact that Britain doesn't have action movies like this. Mm. It's it's a tour de force of greatness. And you're right, mate. What a laughable film. Uh, laughable in as in it's so absurd. It's it's British. And I, and I, love, I love when you have a trilogy such as the Cornetto trilogy where each takes a stab at a different genre. You have scenes that nod to each other, like in this one, the infamous like jumping over the gardens yeah. scene, you know, which kind of happens in all three of them. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I Hot Force is awesome. I fucking, I rewatch it at least once a year and just think it's amazing. It, I don't know, is it? In, it's, it's got to be in like my top, you know, in terms of comedy, certainly top ten. That's that's mate, that's amazing, and yeah. you should. But what a great buddy cop movie as well, because he teaches him how to. Uh, exist. They both teach each other different things. And originally it was written as a love story mm. and they, they changed it and they kept the script. So the, the between Danny and Angel, that's the actual, that was supposed to, Danny's character was supposed to be a, a, a Olivia Coleman's character, I believe. And they swapped it around and it's more organic. The love chemistry, you know, he teaches him how to be a big cop in a small mm. town and he teaches him, you know, it's like, like the bonding session is over a beer and bad boys too. <laughs> we allow these jugglers. <laughs> no, we we'll, we'll, we'll was it? We like we like these clowns. We balls deep in jugglers. Let's go. It's one of the best lines ever. Um, I, I yeah, I, I love Hoffers. I think is he the best of the Cornetto trilogy? Maybe it is. I know you. I know you've always. I do not like. I do sing the praises of World's End. I don't I do. like the World's End. If you took off the end of World's End, the last ten minutes, you oh. took that off. I actually think, as someone who used to drink heavily, like <laughs> it's actually quite an enjoyable movie. Um, let's keep the theme going. Other guys, man. Do you know when you when you talk about that film before, and I know that you're such a huge fan of the other guys. Now, you've got films that shouldn't work. Mm. Like I believe Mark Wahlberg is is an A-lister actor, and I don't know how. I think a lot of people think that Will Ferrell has lost it. I, in this conversation that we definitely had last podcast, because you ended up changing my mind. He spins out, he spins out more crap than he does good. However, the good ones are worth the crap. Mm. I, the other guys on paper shouldn't work. The f- but, oh, it does. What a brilliant film. What a great mockery of everything. Of buddy cop movies. Of buddy cop movies. It, you know what? And let's, let's put it out there. It's called The Other Guys because the main cops are Samuel L. Jackson and The Rock. And there's a fantastic scene where they chase someone. And it's, it's quite possibly the funniest f- f- two minutes in cinema history for me where they think because they're so cool <laughs> and because they are Riggs and Murtagh and because they are like, you know, Bruce Wayne, because they are the, the alpha males of that police department. They're trying to... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. They're chasing down a drug dealer and they jump from a building. And it's like, I'm going to land in that tree. Yeah. <laughs> Aim for the trees. Aim for the trees. And they jump off a building. And they die. It is so good. It's so funny. But then it, then, it, then, the, then the whole thing is funny. Like, you, you know, the relationship, like you say, with Mark Wahlberg and, and uh, Will Farrell. Will Farrell with a straight lace. Oh, so straight lace. Like, they don't yeah. even trust him with a gun. The, 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 bit, the bit when it, like, the whole bit when he goes back to his house. Um, Eva Mendes and Eva Mendes as his wife and, and he's like Alan who's this he's like oh it's the old ball in shape he's like no fucking seriously who is it he's like well, he's like darling please put on some other clothes you look a bit slutty <laughs> she's just like oh I'm sorry darling and she's just like he's beside vibe she's like he's invented free apps yeah, he's got a face what is it um, what is it book face or whatever he's like what's it doing he goes basically you take a picture of the back of someone's head and it tells you what the front of the face looks like <laughs> Oh, and he's got... Oh, he's brilliant. Steve Coogan. Coogan. I was going to say, yeah. Steve Coogan is the... Fa- now, the director of this, Adam McKay. Mm. I might surprise you to know this, but after this, he went on to do films about the uh, crash in Wall Street. Yeah. Like, Did you know that? Yeah. Doesn't I, mate, talk about wearing it on your sleeve. When you're watching it, you're just like, just hurry up and make the big shot. Just get it over with. You're so desperate to, it's obvious. It, it, I, Steve Coogan, the bit is brilliant. Like, there are two outstanding scenes. One's a montage. One is the good cop, bad cop scene. Yes. And Mark Wahlberg's like, good cop, bad cop. And then he, Mark Wahlberg goes in hard. And then Wolf comes in fucking like, just mental. <laughs> like, oh, I thought you were going to go, I thought you were going to go with the debate scene. But the, the, the <laughs> ultimate is is the uh, Lion vs. Tuna scene. Like that, if you haven't, if you haven't seen the movie, or you haven't seen it in a while, just YouTube Lion vs. Tuna uh, the scene in other guys. And we haven't talked about Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, it, 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 I don't know if you noticed this as well, but Michael McKay knows something about the economy because the chief of police... Adam McKay, yeah. Adam McKay, sorry. Adam McKay is uh, working at Beth Bath and Beyond because his salary as a police officer doesn't quite cut it. And he's just like, we get it, the economy's fucked. And then and at the end, it's like, it, it like makes such a great point. It's like, no one got arrested for... <laughs> it's like, it's all colourful and cheerful. And at the beginning of the film, I'm sure it shows you like like mega rich ordering lobster and then someone poor. He's like, we get it, Adam McKay. And... It, Good because he went on to then make one of my favorite films, a big short. So, what a great film! Everything about it though is so ridiculous. Is like everyone hates Mark Wahlberg because he shot uh, deer <laughs> because he was got scared. He was walking down a tunnel and shot a baseball flare. Everything about it is brilliant and over the top. And the scene, still one of the best scenes, are with the Samuel L. Jackson and the rock jumping off the building. Yeah. Mate, it, just thinking about it brings tears to my eyes. It's so funny. Do you think so? I the thing with comedy is if we see this as a joke all the time because. It's subjective, mate. Subjective, yeah. And uh, <laughs> like all films, it's subjective. You know, some people like it, some people don't. Fucking Twitter, blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> all I, right, film, bro. I'm down. <laughs> but like comedy is a funny one because you like, you can really like a comedy and then watch it back and being like, oh, no. Oh, no. 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 I, used to, I used to find this funny. And, you know, because times change and, you know, we become more educated, we can better it, you know. But, and I always sometimes worry, like, of saying about certain comedies that I think I really need to rewatch it again. Like, well, it's just like rush hour, isn't it? It's like it's not as funny as we were teenagers. Now you're watching it, you go, "Ooh, could you say that now?" Yeah, because like I, I, I remember never really being a fan of movies like the American Pie films, but you know, movies That's like because they're shit, though. Yeah, so. but movies like um, Wedding Crashes and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember loving Wedding Crashes because of the Owen Wilson and uh, Vin Vince Vaughn kind of chemistry. But you can't watch that. But not the moral of yeah. the movie, like I, which is I, lie to get women to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, and I know they get their comeuppance and all that kind of stuff. But 
But regardless, like... When I ends up with Rachel McAdams, I was like, fuck off. That's not comeuppance. That's, a, that's like 70% of the world's dream. The other one ends up with Isla Fisher. That's the other 75% math. <laughs> but no, Christopher Walken. <laughs> you can't win them all. I, mean, I, I do remember like certain scenes thinking it was fucking... Like the American football scene. Yes. You know, and and, um, and the bit when... Because uh, Bradley Cooper's in it. Bradley Cooper's in you it. Know, playing, yeah. That bit when they're like hunting quail and, he's, and it goes to... If it's one's like, I don't know what the fuck a quail looks like. <laughs> it's just got, like, it's just got loads of funny scenes in it. But then well, I always think... Well, then there's that scene, obviously, which one of my favorites is when Todd, like, straps him to his bed and he's, like, shows him, like, let's play Tommy's. You, like, you can't, yeah. that's, you have to, you have to be really careful how you do that scene. <laughs> but, then, so, but then the next day, the next day when he goes down for breakfast and Vince Vaughn's looking all, like, disheveled and Luke Wilson's like, you okay, Big Bear? Come, uh, soft mattress? And then Vince Vaughn's like, could be the soft mattress. Oh, it could be the midnight gay right. art show. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just, I, I I I was on this campaign in like the two <laughs> thousands that I thought I thought Vince Vaughn was going to be the the guy that broke the mold in terms of what a leading man should look like. And I suppose he did to a degree. But yeah. there were certain movies that he was in, like, you know, Swingers was great, obviously as a breakout movie with him and, and Favreau, but there's like a movie that no one has seen called Domestic Disturbance with John Travolta. I've and, seen that. Yeah. yeah. And um uh, Steve Buscemi's in that movie as well. Oh, I, I generally can't remember. It's, I think I saw it at the cinema, which was freaking easy. Yeah, yeah, ago. and it was just like a, it was just a small town, you, you know, movie. And I was like, Vince Vaughn is chilling. And then I remember the Psycho remake thinking, all right, it's nowhere near the 60, 1960 movie, which I love. It's one of my favorite movies. It was quite an eerie. But it was all right, and yeah. he was eerie. And if anyone's going to fall into, you know, the Norman Bates character, if we did all right job. Um, but there was a stage where I was like, he's going to fucking do something. You know, in all these movies like, Dodgeball were coming out and stuff where his dry humor. Yeah. And what I imagine is a lot of ad libbing and a lot of just off the cuff. Like, I remember, did we talked about this recently. I watched Four Christmases last Christmas. Yeah. No one had any expectation that that movie was going to be good. I was pissing myself for it. Largely because, I mean, Reese Wilson is terrific, but largely Vince Vaughn just being fucking funny as out. It's weird, isn't it? Like, you know, when you now see him kind of doing like tacking, I- roll, cell block whatever and he, yeah i again his agent needs to kick in because also he does these films like the like the business or something where he starts a business or did he do the intern the intern was a bad film yeah that, that was Owen Wilson again wasn't yeah, it yeah that was bad with the big joke is that they're they're old and they don't want google is yeah but i mean he has got the unfortunately slasher, you, unfortunately that's it that's it that's the joke he's got the slasher movie coming out though hasn't he which I, that is meant to be brilliant. But I I, I, I like the, uh, the director and the writer. Was it the writer? It's the Happy Death Day, isn't Happy it? Happy Death Day, which I love. I, th- I thought, what an amazing idea. You spin spin the idea of uh, Groundhog Day and turn it into a, a serial killer film. I was like, that is brilliant. And this one, swapping bodies with that. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be great. Yeah, body swap hard because Vince Vaughn can do the serial killer and he can also do the cheer. And he can do the like, teenager, yeah. college girl. Yeah. But... um. Yeah, I, 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 and when I say it's coming out, I know it, it has come out, but because of COVID, we haven't got like the proper release of yeah, it. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Uh, back on it, James, because we've still got a few more movies to talk about before we get to the dishonorable mentions as well. Some of that are a bit out there. I'm going to put it in there, mate. The Rock. Is that a body cop movie? I'm going with yes, because I'm saying that Stanley Goodspeed and not James Bond, Sean Connery, clearly James Bond. Definitely James Bond. Are a duo that are chalk and cheese, that are opposites. Um, now, I watched a really interesting Nick Cage in- interview from back like 95 when this movie came out, we was promoting it. And um, he was saying about how like he got the script 
again, Michael Bay. Um, and Stanley Goodspeed was completely different. Like, basically, Nick Cage completely rewrote that character. Good. Saying, like, you know, originally this character was meant to be, like, um, you know, science nerds, but super sweet with a gun. Basically, like, face-off action level. Yeah. And he was like, I can't do the movie justice and that character doesn't make sense to me. He's like, I want to make him where he doesn't want to go in the field and he's reluctant to and I'll play geeky in that. Which is why all the way through it, there's this odd dialogue that he has where he's that nerdy and geeky and innocent and out of the field that he won't swear. So he does a lot of like, he calls people a-holes all the time because he just he's still, even in the face of death when someone's got a gun in front of him, he won't swear at him because he's a good guy. That's brilliant. Nick Cage is fucking fascinating. Oh, I love, I love Nick Cage. One of my favorite actors of all time. It would always be because no one, you can take the piss out of his acting skills, but he gives 110%. He, he give 100 um, What's it? You know, The Rock is great at selling a film. As soon as that film's hit its cycle, he'll turn around and go, that was bullshit. It's like, I hated, Baywatch is the big one. He turned around, he promoted the shit out of him. And then afterwards, he was like, no. Nah, oh, The gives, Rock now, not The Oh, sorry. Yeah. I do apologize. The Dwayne. Rock, you know, Dwayne will do that. And you, you respect that. However, I, I he'll. Nicholas Cage will go into a film like Shanghai Noon or whatever bollocks, and he will give out a performance. And afterwards, be like, I put, you know, he gets his inspiration from everything. He's a study, he's a, well, a student of film. He'll study everything. And I think he's brilliant. And even when he picks a crown role, you know, you're getting full coach. Yeah. When you hear about like, you know, he's in interviews when he talks about certain roles and he's like, yeah, I took inspiration from like uh, 1920 French, uh, German expressionism. Yeah. And that could all just be a load of bollocks, Nick Cage having but, a laugh. But, but good for him. Yeah. Um, the Rock, though, you're talking about quotable lines, just everything. What's really weird, though, mate, is that film's quite long. And they spend like an hour before they actually get to Alcatraz. Yeah. And that's the last time I watched it. I was like, fucking hell, we're not even on the, 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 the Rock yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, but talk about a film that goes fucking, but right. Not joking. This is the stuff that happens. Um, it opens with a heist. A load of people die because some nerve agents gets out. Um, Freaking... All American General uh, Ed Harris, who, if you watch the outtakes on the DVD called Outtakes, I am not joking. Outtakes are supposed to be funny, aren't they? You know, like you think like bloopers where they muck up their lines. Ed Harris beats the shit out of the set. Have you ever seen that? No. It's called, it's like outtakes, and it's Ed Harris is on the phone, he keeps getting his line wrong, and so he smashes the set up. He's like, all right, Ed Harris, it's called The Rock. It's an action film. No one's winning an Oscar. <laughs> um, that happens. There's like some sort of chemical bio attack at the place where Stanley Goodspeed works. So there's a bit where he's got to, they're all talking about injecting atropine in, directly into their hearts then there's then they take over Alcatraz then fucking Sean Connery gets loose <laughs> Walmart you piece, piece of shit you know do you, like your, do you like your haircut car chase that somehow derails a tram <laughs> still not Alcatraz interject interject father daughter story yeah wait, what what <laughs> There's <laughs> so much going on, isn't there? I mean, so much, there's, there's, a, there's a conspiracy about the FBI hiding this person, you know, who they believe is stolen sensitive information. Fucking hell. That's, that's how they get away with not calling him James Bond throughout the film, calling him Mason. <laughs> but when you look at that cast list as well, like... Michael B Michael Bean. Michael Bean, because we got told off about saying BN, apparently he's Bean. But, um, you know, again, you're like, he's going to fucking come into action at some point. Yep. And that whole bathroom scene, mate, still... He's, he's, he's tense. Still upsets me, mate, watching that scene, you know, especially when Nick Cage is like to one of the officers, he's like, don't go. <laughs> yeah, that's really sad. But why is that? Like, everyone's dead. Why does he think he'll make the difference? <laughs> he believes himself. <laughs> he's, 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 the, the, the only way it'd be better if they quickly edit the scene where he looks at this pocket watch that was given to his dad and says, believe in yourself. And he's like, yeah. I do, dad. <laughs> he gets shot to death. <laughs> 
Yeah, you should listen to Obi-Wan, mate. They've got the high ground. There's no <laughs> way. You're done, mate. Um, absolutely correct. That scene, though, is really like... And I love the fact he gives... <laughs> Do you remember when you lose an argument and you just say, sure. <laughs> In it, there's the equivalent of that. Michael, Be- Michael Bean... Gives him gives Ed Harris a speech. He's like, you know, we spilt the same blood in the same mud. And then in the end, Harris is just like, well, you came into the wrong room. I'm up here. You're done. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's the equivalent of just no. And then you got psychos like Tony Todd in it, mate. Uh, Gregory Spoiler. Is he the guy that eats the the, the I ate that gets bit it in the mouth? Yes, in the mouth, he punches him. him. Eat this, you fuck. Oosh. Oh, uh, mate, what a film? John C. McGinley, David Morse, who we talk about as being oh, David Morse. Love David Morse. William Forsyth and then John Spencer again as as um, Warmack. That's Warmack. He's piece a of shit. Shirt. Did he like his haircut though? I think he did. You know, just before I threw your boss. <laughs> we actually mentioned Sean Connery at any point, just we just referred to him as not James Bond. Not James Bond, Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery, sensational. As I just think, he like, came with the long hair. I, I, would, I would have kept it. No, it's, I, it's I, a grunge I, thing, James. He's a grunge thing. What does that mean? <laughs> Don't understand. Right, you love the Rock. That you can quote the Rock. That, much does it take you for like 30 seconds and you get into the rhythm mm. I have a question for you the rope that he uses to tie his hand to the to Walmart yeah Why, where does he get that from because he's in the shower it, do hotels in America just have rope yeah so in, in shower that's the shower to hang your laundry on so ah. if, you, if you've washed your underwear in the sink for example um, rope came out in 97 96 95 96 95 I'm going to go 95. Right. Anyway. 96, 96. 96. So that's the sport of us since 96. So thank you. I've always wondered. I was just like, why is there rope randomly in bathrooms? Yeah. But thank you. It's a clothesline. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it is odd, isn't it? How he throws a, hu- a, a human being like Sean Connery. Not in his prime. I'm going to say it. Not in his I'm going to say it. Not saying he's old, but you know, he's not in his prime. Throws a, another man off a building and holds onto a washing line. And he's like, he's getting heavy. I'm going to tie him to this chair. What the fuck? What's that chair made of? Let's <laughs> It's a wooden chair. I don't, just literally before that, like literally about 30 seconds before that, Gospel is like, I don't have a gun. Yeah, yeah. I loved it in my sock drawer. I loved it in my sock drawer. And I, I love that because if he, if that guy had not given him a gun, then there'd be nothing you could do yeah. in the next scene. They're going to drop your boss. You will not. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I won't. Good, good point. Molly borrowing your Humvee. <laughs> love the fact that in the middle of a car chase, he's still able to like ring someone and be like, could I have this person's address, please? And yeah. they go, Yes, of course you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So so much of this movie is, is quotable, rewatchable, and and just fuck. It. The thing is, we've seen like that. What I love about the Rock is like you go, ah, you know, how did he how did he tie it to a chair and the chair not go over the edge and all that kind of stuff. And then if someone was like, yeah, but in uh, Die Hard, he holds onto a fire hose and hangs off a building that doesn't fall off. The, and I'd be like, oh, shut up, because <laughs> technically that fixture explodes as well. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there'd be nothing anchoring it. Yeah. But the rock, the rock is awesome. It's definitely worth watching. I like Ed Harris. I like a bad guy, a villain with a conscience who doesn't. He, you know, they call the bluff, and he's like, "We lost. We didn't. He didn't. Gonna work." You know. I think he. Do you know he tells what? the kids to leave as well. On the he school does. Trip. He tells them to go. The first missile as well, heading for a baseball game. That's that's badass. It's like multiple all all the casualties. Yeah, I love the fact that you. <laughs> so he's not a villain. He changes the course. So you've watched the CGI uh, missile divert away. What I really like then is everyone in the room wonders what happened. <laughs> just like, what, what went wrong? He was just tapping some buttons and now he's gone away and it takes them a while for them to realise, oh, it's because it it's because of you. <laughs> <laughs> David Morse said, like, ring him back for more time. Brilliant. I really like the hierarchy of the villains. Mm. Oh, it's, it's a really good film. Do you know what? Uh, we, when we watched this last time, I was like, oh, I want to watch The Rock. It's been a while. And we just exactly the same one I watched The Rock. The Rock and Face Off make a great double bill. Oh, yes. Cheese. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
very quickly because we're running out of time. 21 Jump Street. Love 21 Jump Street. Great chemistry. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Meme-worthy. And again, I wasn't really expecting anything, but the scenes where they do drugs in this is fucking hilarious. You know, overconfidence, sleepiness. You've got an awesome Brie Larson. Who, is it Brie Larson? It is Brie Larson. Fantastic. Uh, Jonah, brilliant. And then I've never really liked... Uh... Rob Riddle. Rob Riddle. No, um... James Franco, Dave Franco. No, the other guy. Chan Tatum. Chan Tatum. Jonah Hill. Chan and Tatum. Ice Cube. Chan and Tatum. I like Ice Cube. I like Ice Cube in this role. Mm. As, what, as mad as, 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 <laughs> in mad the, Ice Cube? In the second one, the funny scene is when he goes to lunch with him and he realises that... The food's are free at the buffet. Yeah, because of what's happened between... Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. It's like, I, it's like, I'm black, give me some beans. And Jonah Hill's just like, the man's black, give him some beans, he's, he's had enough. <laughs> I, I do I do like 21 Jump Street. I did like it. I went to cinema, really found it funny. There's lots to it. And actually, it's one of the movies as well where by the third act, it, it just throws everything in there, yeah. doesn't it? And, you know, car chase, whatever. Shoots his dick off at the end of that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I it's, it's, it's immature fun. I was literally going to say that. It's in the same vein of those sort of comedies, though, like Seth Rogen ones. They're that kind of like comedy dialed up to the weird stoner level. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's okay. No, do you know what? I, I pass it to good. James, I'm a slut for aliens. I say it every week. Men in Black. 98. Oh, everyone was a huge fan of this. You take the smart shop, the, the streetwise cop, and then usually you're a federal agent and know something. No, you need to dial up to 11. So you've got a streetwise cop partnered up with a man who stops alien threats every day. <laughs> I mean, you can't get bigger gap than that unless he was, I know, paper boy. Um, I like Men in Black. 97, I think, uh, not 98. Uh, Men in Black, for me, was awesome because you've got you again it's that parody of you know rookie cop veteran cop but then throw into the mix it, it was a great sci-fi movie with at the time i think some groundbreaking effects and you tommy tommy lee jones mate was on the back foot after batman forever this is a great fucking movie to follow up with i like this film but when people like you talk about how much it means to them and how good it is i disagree Mm. And that's I'm sorry. Breaks my heart, mate. It did, but I don't hate it. I think it's okay. But to me, it's painfully okay. Uh, ruined by its sequels. Uh, this, I thought the second one was one of the worst things I've ever seen. But then the third one saved it by uh, Josh Brolin playing a younger version of K. I thought it was brilliant. That I like. I actually quite like the third one. I think he's actually a pretty good film. The first one. You got Tony Shalhoub. I love a bit Monk, mate. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Love him. Anything he's in. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was good at the time, but I remember watching it with my granddad and, and when I was coming out talking about the effects and the music video, it wasn't really good. Even as a kid, I was like, it was all right. That's sweet now, isn't it? You can't get away with doing this song. I mean, Walsh is obviously the key. Yeah. Bad Boys and... Write um, the theme tune, sing the theme yeah, tune. Yeah, this and bloody Wild Wild West. <sighs> but no. He didn't do it for collateral though, did he? Collateral damage. Hey. Eh? Hey. Eh? Fucking terrible movie. I liked. Uh, you really don't like that movie, do you? I hate it, man. <laughs> I, I, I really like Men in Black, though. I, I, there's something about a film where there are people, there is a hidden world in front of people's eyes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. it does a very good job. I like that. I like that, how they go in a building, they, they turn the open to close sign, and then they're having a normal conversation with someone, and then someone just lets slip. I know who the fuck you are. You're an alien. Drop them. And then they, then all of a sudden, Tony Shalhoub's head opens up and it's something completely different. Uh, do you know what? That's pretty good. Actually. Yeah, he shoots it and it regrows. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, you know what? Yeah, world building the, very quickly. The whole recruitment scene, I quite like the Will Smith kind of outsmarting because he's street smart, James. He is street smart. That's what the Academy needs, that the men in black need. Yeah. Doesn't shoot the alien hanging on the uh, hanging on the goalpost, but mm. he does shoot the kid studying quantum physics. A car will call out, not an actual child. Obviously. <laughs> if it was called Men in Pink, it would be very different. 
Yeah, it would. But actually, do you know what? It was really cool because the Men in Black theory goes back to like the 30s when, you know, visitations of aliens happened. Everyone said they was visited by the Men in Black. So it also plays on that law that not a lot of people knew about. And that's really cool. Actually. Do you know what? They did the research. Do you know what? More talking about it. Yeah, you're right. Their story building is quite positive. If you think about it, within 20 minutes, you know everything you need to know about the world they live in. Mm. That's actually pretty good. Did like uh, Vincent D'Onfario as well, though, is the villain. Is like the cockroach man. I always forget it's him. It's dark, mate, when you think that he skins a dude at the beginning. Yeah. He skins the farmer and then obviously walks back in and he's like, Shocker. In an Edgar suit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Edgar suit, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in the longest time, so it could be really dated now and I could actually watch it. But it, actually, next time we do a trilogy, because I'm not watching the fourth one again, let's do Men in Black, the original trilogy, because I would like to revisit this. Cool. I'll never watch the fourth one to begin with. <laughs> yeah. It had a really good soundtrack as well. And actually, it had a really good opening. I like the bit when there's the kind of, the, you know, the smug they're smuggling, you know, people across the border or whatever, and one of them's an alien, and you see the mind zapper. Yeah. Use. It was a really strong opening of like, oh, that's that's like show, don't tell. It's like these guys are shady. These guys are above the law. They're a secret organization. They've got technology that we don't know about. And it was just a really good, like, these are the men in black. What I really love about the end of the first one is because they all play on like a galaxy is a very small thing. Size is relative. And then they open they open something and then they're somewhere. You know, it turns out that they're a very small thing someplace else. But they did that on every film and it was always shit after that. It's like, oh, it turns out we're dog poo on an alien planet. You know, that's all bollocks. Yeah. Yeah, it just really didn't like those ending bits. Except for the first one. I did like the first one. So we'd we'd be doing an injustice if we didn't talk about what's maybe, maybe helmed as the origin of the buddy movie in, which actually is not technically a buddy cop that's 48 hours because technically eddie murphy in this is a criminal he is a criminal criminal Norty. for expertise they need him for yeah so he's released for 48 hours to help nick naughty solve a case um obviously 48 hours to catch a, a pair of cop killers before murphy has to go back to jail um nick naughty's a racist in this nick naughty's a bit odd in Enoch Naughty. He, he himself is very weird. But, you know, at the time, this was like the height of him. And it was a new Eddie Murphy, a young Eddie Murphy, a yeah. fresh Eddie Murphy. We weren't sick to death of him. Although, to be fair, that said, that, that Dolomite film we did, what, two years ago? No, that was brilliant. Dolomite was good, yeah. Um, but no, what a time to be alive. Would you have 48 Hours or Midnight Run? Midnight Run, because yeah. I, Midnight Run's a very... It, it, Midnight Run reminds me of uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It does, yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. The sort of quality that they've got they've both got is it is it also that movie is kind of it's it's the de niro you know in a performance that's a bit different yeah um with the guy from beethoven well, yeah <laughs> well that's unfortunately that's forever what his will be charles Grodin. yeah david coffney's lucky he got a role as fox Mulder because his career was going to be the guy in beethoven who falls off chair so he's, the dog was tied to the chair james it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i love i love, I love the fact that david coffney's in that and as a kid no, as a kid, you don't think about it. But when you're older and you're watching it, you're like, ah, it's Fox Mulder. <laughs> One of those weird things. It's like, it's like someone has to explain to you, yeah, actors do different roles. And you're like, but not Fox Mulder. Why would he be on a chair? Why is he trying to kill a dog? It doesn't work. It's so weird about that. You know, these villains where their big thing is they want to kill an animal. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, 48 hours. I obviously, I've seen it maybe once or twice. Oh, I've, seen, was a, I've seen I think I've seen sequel more. You seem to see the sequel more than you see the original. If it was on, I would watch it. It's. I don't think you see it as often as you would because Nick Nick Nolte's character, whilst white, is also I think he is quite is quite to the knuckle racism. I believe he might use the n word in it. Mm. I think I could yeah, I could be wrong, but I remember that that's they are polar opposites in everything. Like he's a bit he's very right wing. 
And yeah. Eddie Murphy's like plays on that. So there's the there's the chalk and cheese element again. Yeah. Um, but chalk and cheese, and you don't want that chalk, mate. If we went to Beverly Hills, yeah, we, we, we peel Axel Foley just, with whoever just ran all plays in, <laughs> in that film. The, right. So the problem I've got with this is, do you know what the Beverly Hills Cop movie did really well? It made Detroit look like a right shit. <laughs> it, it certainly went. I don't know what came first. Whether they were like, "Oh, Beverly Hills looks amazing. Where's the shittest place we can find?" But, or they were in Detroit and was like, "God, this place is shit. We saw it really good." Because the opposite to that is the other film around that era was also uh, Robocop. They also made uh, they made Detroit look like a shit. <laughs> just Detroit in the eighties, mate. Got a bad rap. You just didn't want to come from there. It was really good. We we had an episode. We discussed it. I really liked the element. The first one's obviously the the best one. Eddie Murphy having fun. Uh, great chemistry, but it's like the buddy cop is policing itself in Los Angeles. Like, oh, we buy the book here. You know, you come from Detroit where streetwise, you've got to use your smarts, otherwise you'll die. Whereas in LA, that doesn't happen. You've got, you know, they apologize to him. And he's like, well, why are you apologizing? We cops don't apologize. They do the job. That sort of element. But I don't understand how Ronnie Cox got away with it in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's deep cuts, man. <laughs> Ronnie Cox should always be the villain. But this is the other weird thing in, in cinema. Like, in that you've got, it, it starts off fish out of water in the sense that he doesn't belong or he doesn't know Beverly mm. Hills. And then very quickly, the fish out of water is the cops in Beverly Hills because they don't know this crime. Yeah. They, they, they're sleepy. They're, you know, they, they don't know how to take down the big bads. And that mirrors in movies like, you know, like Demolition Man, where like Sandra B is just like fro- foaming at the lips to, like, to see real crime. Yeah. It's a really odd thing in movies of that time. Obviously, Demolition Man came in the 90s as opposed to this in the 80s. But Beverly Hills Cop 1 is definitely worth a revisit. It's actually really good. Good kicking soundtrack, really yeah. cool. Fucking firmly cemented in the 80s. Huge profitable movie, isn't it? Yeah. Second but, um, one's worth it for the uh, investigative skills. But it, where they wear where three quarters of the movie and they finally look at the guy's shoes and go, I know no exactly. One's ever, no one's ever done that. No one's, gone, no one's searching the house and gone, fucking hell, look at the mud on them shoes. <gasps> the mud. Yeah, like the mud did it. <laughs> Like, it is odd, isn't it, that second one? They they, 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 they cut had, corners to get to the villain. They had no idea how they were going to catch him. So it turns out that Bogomel, Ronnie Cox, the actual villain, um, <laughs> was running. And and finally, you know, a two and a half hour movie, so two hours, they check his shoes. <laughs> it's mud. And luckily, this there's only one bit of mud in Los Angeles, <laughs> in Beverly Hills. Criminal mud. <laughs> it's criminal mud. This mud is laced with cocaine. It's the 80s. <laughs> Die Hard, to, Died with a Vengeance, sorry, is certainly worth talking about as a as a buddy cop movie but we have done it we did a special on down three you've got the the beaten cop and you've got the good samaritan and then you've got the they're both kind of streetwise and then one of them just doesn't want to exist in like doesn't belong as in they're not a cop they shouldn't be here i really like that element but it really does follow that i don't like you i don't want to be around you i love you like a brother let's, let's have a shower yeah <laughs> you're getting there it, it's just a wicked movie it is a wicked movie down three is, is, is one of the greats um the big three I think if we're going to talk about Buddy Cop, and I use that very lightly in one of these movies, but French Connection, I suppose, is the big one. It is the big one. Popeye is quite possibly the greatest uh, detective in film history. And vi- what happens to him as well? This storyline's amazing across two films. But doesn't Gene Hatman maybe, maybe paralleled with Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. it, one of the greatest on-screen presence, yes. as in the moment they come on screen, you're like... Shane Hatman. Yeah, it's Gene Hammond. It's it's like it's a level 
it's a it's a it's a kind of level that I think few and far between kind of have that status. You talk about A listers. We so we live in a time where Gene Hammond's career is over. He is retired. You know, he's he's living the best life. But we now recognise him now as a better actor than we did at the time. It's one of those gifts that you don't appreciate till it's gone. His filmography is full of films that. You know, Wonder Suspicion is a film that's on Amazon, by the way, or is it Netflix? It's on one of them. It's a film I've been talking about. He's, he basically, he's arrested for a crime and the whole film is an interrogation between him and Samuel, uh, not Samuel Jackson, Morgan Freeman and Tom Jane. Mm. It's an absolutely brilliant film. We don't recognise it. You know, even let's be honest, he's so over the top as Lex Luth- Luthor. He can't even say his own name in the film, but yeah, he's brilliant. I think Gene Hackman is a, is a, is a, is a, is a great that we didn't appreciate. Oh, you pick some crap films as well. But it is good to go back. <laughs> the Poseidon Adventure is a great one to revisit. Enemy of the State's a good one. Love Enemy of the State. That's kind of like a buddy cop movie. You can get into all your westerns. You know, I, I was obviously The Unforgiven is probably the big one, but mm. um, Quick and the Dead, I keep forgetting as well. That's a movie I want to revisit, but there is a scene in it. it there is, I get what it was doing. It was, it was trying to be. I mean, it came after Unforgiven, which is which is you know unfortunate, really. <laughs> it's un- unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, because Unforgiven kind of bookended the Western and did away with it, and was like, it's done. The Westerns are done. And then there's a bit like, well, why did Gene Hackman come back in like '95 to do Quick in the Dead? Which I get, all star cast, you know, Russell Crowe, Sean Stone, young, young Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, but there, it is just it had it tries to be a '60s Western. Yeah. Like there's a there's a scene when I remember there's a scene when uh, they're waiting for the clock to ring to do a shootout in the street, and um, they're, when they're all looking at the clock and it's ticking and it just zooms in on different characters' faces in this weird like angle, and then every actor like looks off to the sides when the camera gets close. Uh. To it it, you're like, that, it's just <laughs> odd. It's just odd that anyone thought that that was a good way to build suspense. You know that we get it. You're all looking at the clock. And it is also a bit weird how, like, every year they, or whatever, I can't really remember the ins and outs of that movie, but, like, you know how it's like, oh, big shootout tournament. What do you want to end it that for? That is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like, you could win or you could die or get shot. And afterwards you get done for murder. Yeah. <laughs> the show's just off to one side going, just just because it's a tournament, it doesn't mean, it's like wrestling, mate. When it's no old bar, it doesn't mean you get to bring an Uzi in and shoot someone. There are still rules. <laughs> that, that, that did come from it. That was a time, though, as well, that we talked about a few weeks ago mainly in the 80s, where it's like, it doesn't matter what the context is or what the storyline is. If you've got a male and a female in, in a film together, it's some scene that there's going to be a a, a, a sex scene at some point. Yeah. Really. And I remember in the quick of the day, it's like, really? Seriously? The guy's like handcuffed to a barn. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't care if it's Sharon Stone. It just wouldn't happen. Um, yeah, sorry, I can't remember what we're talking about. Gene the French Connection. Yeah, Which is absolutely an awesome film. And then he's again, uh, I was just going to say Rob Schneider. I was going to say Schneider. Roy Schneider. Um, and that's brilliant as well. They've got great chemistry. Um, but I think uh, French Connection is one of the best cop films of all time as well. In the series of it, French mm. Connection Part 2 is always awesome. Popeye's character is great. And you know what? Technically a Christmas movie. Do you know why? Because at the beginning, he's dressed as Santa as they're chasing the drug dealer. Yes. <laughs> Christmas. And they get their trousers <laughs> nicked in that movie. <laughs> oh. That's a different movie. Do you know what? Can I just add one quickly? The Guard. Brendan Gleeson yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, Don Childe. What a great film. Um I, it, it's such Irish humor. It comes, the humor's like straight out of um, in Bruges. That sort of humor. Great chemistry. Brendan Gleeson, I was having fun. I just imagine they they were like, "You do what you want, and we'll record it." And there's great scenes where he starts taking the piss out of John. Cena. He's like, "Are you being racist?" And he's like, I'm, "I'm Irish, of course I'm racist." That sort of thing. He's brilliant. Great humor. The cop who's not a cop shows up to a drug scene. People are dead. Steals the drugs. Takes them himself. Amazing. What a great film. I never thought I'd like it. The Guard. Watch it. Brilliant. It's on Channel 4, late one night. Yeah, fun. I was going to 
I was going to just watch the first half. I wasn't really that interested and ended up watching the whole thing. It's, We've adverts as well. Yeah. That's a testament, mate. That is, mate. Yeah. Um, 95 apparently was an awesome year. Maybe we need to do a podcast on 1995 because okay. a lot of movies came out that year. Hit me. Including, I remember I would have been eight, seven or eight. And I remember my dad going to the cinema. Yeah. And being like, oh, you know, and he came back and he was like, hyped up this movie. And he was like, yep, yeah, it was, it was awesome. You get to see it. has got like, a good twist at the end. Yeah, uh, But it's an 18, so you won't, you know, good luck. 10 years and you get to watch it kind of thing. And so seven was on my radar Ooh. from such a young age because my dad, <laughs> the man of few words, hyped it up as being like, it was a brilliant movie. It's obviously David Fincher, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, John Doe. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. I don't think John Doe's a good term for him now. Maybe we should get rid of Redacted and keep it. Yeah. Uh, uh, judge, judge, judge for his crimes, but not by his work, I guess, because Seven is a is an awesome movie. It, it is, is really, an awesome it's, movie. It's a movie that is graphic and disturbing without having to show you blood, guts, and gore because it's all implied. It's all it's gritty. It's not, it's not a gory film. What happens is gory, but you don't see it. Mm. Um, I think then maybe this is a film that announced Brad Pitt as an actual actor for me. You know, before I always thought he was like a pretty boy. You know, his role was to wear tight denim in like Thelma and Louise, you know, be attractive, be hot. I think this is the first film I was like, oh, he can act. Yeah, but then again, I like I liked him in movies like uh, True Romance, you know, where he really went against the Brad Pitt. I'll be honest, I, yeah, I don't, I, he's so good in that that I don't actually remember him being Brad Pitt at the time. I was like, just thought it was someone else. Just thought it might, the could stoner, be Michael Rappenport again, mate. The, yeah, the, the stoner <laughs> house, mate. But, um, Seven, I think, again, two cops, one veteran, one rookie hunting down a killer who is killing people uh, and using the seven deadly sins as uh, the motives or the theme for those murders. I remember just, I mean, now, th- this was the catalyst for, like, all the books I read now. Yeah. Like, as you know, piecing it together. And, and fucking brilliant about this. Again, it's, it's old, so you spoil it. Don't catch the villain at the end. Oh, I was going to say. Hands himself in. What? Not only that, but... um. I, I watched this film recently. I watched this film after we did we recorded this episode the first time. Because you talking about it was like, I haven't seen Seven in ages. I want to watch it. It's on Amazon. I thought, I'll give it a go. I forgot that the last 20 minutes is a car scene. Mm. And it's the best 20 minutes I think I've ever seen. Oh. It, it's, it, the dialogue is brilliant. Just And I choose to look at the work and not the man. John Doe is such a great character. And what we talk about buddy cop movies and we said it's the three acts you know and by the third act they're best mates they've had a shower they've jerked each other they're best mates still to this day Somerset and Brad Pitt's character do not like each other mm. Even they, they bonded at one minute where they make a joke about shaving a nipple off other than that they still do not like each other mm. going into the final like event and it's such a cracking scene. Richard Schiff, isn't it? Forgot Richard Schiff. He plays mm. the uh, he plays the lawyer. Anyway, that was that was me just having a bit of fun. Is it Richard Schiff sign? They always need to be announced. What an absolutely amazing thing! And the difference between them now is there is a. It's kind of like, like, not good cop and bad cop, experienced cop and ignorant cop. So the experienced cop, you know, he's got like a lot of open cases. He's retiring. He's like. Why are you retiring? It's like oh, someone got attacked from here. If someone got, you know, a guy got robbed and then got, after they stole his money, he stabbed his eyes. It was like, the world's changing. Mm. Um, and then Brad Pitt is like, you know, he calls John Doe mentor. He's like, what is wrong with you? Do you sit around the party room and he's wanking? You know, he's, he makes the reference to him, do you know you're crazy? And then Morgan Freeman's like, you're not crazy. Yeah, Morgan uh, Freeman's got like a weird respect for him. Yeah, and then, and the other one, and, and John Doe says a brilliant line. He says, it's easy for you to dismiss me as, as crazy. Well, I'm not. My work speaks more when you look at it through the eyes of, of like, I'm, I'm fully in control. What a great chalk and cheese between, uh, Samuel, uh, fucking Morgan Freeman 
And uh, <sighs> yeah, it's what a day, mate. I think well, I Samuel think you, Jackson on the brain. <laughs> I do not know why. I think you're right. Because I mean, there is that scene, isn't it, of Brad Pitt moving in the office and that exchange where this isn't the rookie cop learning from the veteran. Like he's he's a hotshot. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, yeah. he's young. He, you know, he's he's one he's one of them that's like made detective probably before his time. You know that kind of thing. And Morgan Freeman's character doesn't then try and nurture him in any shape, way, or form. But does eventually through events that unfold show him how to bend the rules slightly the old school way, which yeah. I really like as well. And you're right. I think in, if they, if we weren't doing buddy cop, if we were breaking down what I think is one of my favorite genres, now is the the murder mystery or the the serial killer kind of. I, it's funny. I'm not really into like documentaries on serial killers and real life serial killers. But oh, I'm with you. Yeah. The movie stuff, because the most interesting bit is the the motive scene, the scene just before the end, which if it was a Bond movie, is fucking terrible because it's like, oh, you'll never get out of this chair, but why are you tied down? Let me tell you all my plans. Well, you know? Technically, John Doe never does that. That's why he teases them yeah. to where he needs to go. But I read that entire but scene that you're about to talk about. The motive scene in a serial killer movie is the most fascinating because it is the most taboo because hopefully yours, mine, and people listening to this podcast, minds don't work that way. So when you hear someone talking about it so passionately like it's, like it's normal, that it makes an interesting read or a film or whatever it is. And seven spares no expense of that. You have a 20 minute end scene, you know, that is perfectly paced with a 20 minutes and you don't want it to end because the chemistry is undeniably brilliant. And do you know what? And this is something that I noticed when I watched it and I didn't bring it up last time. Luckily we're redoing it. So I can say it again is when you watch the final scene, Morgan Freeman looks in the box and runs back and he says, you need to stay away from here. John Doe, uh, John Doe is in control and he's speaking to, uh, yeah, John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley again. When he's talking, uh, so he's telling them and he's running them. So he says to Brad Pitt, John Doe tells him what's in the box. And as an audience member, I was thinking if Morgan Freeman at the start of the movie and throughout the course of the movie had done a better job of nurturing his relationship with Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt wouldn't have done what he did. So Morgan Freeman fails. Somerset fails in what he wanted to do, like kind of protect him, you know, like he didn't want him to take on the case and that sort of thing. And I remember thinking, there's always, are we supposed to think that because he was quite cold to him, is that a result of what happens? Like if they were friends, maybe he would have listened to him. And I was just thinking, make layers on layers. There are layers. I mean, the, the whole the whole idea that, he, you know, the final victim is not going to Paltrow, it's, it's John, John Doe. Doe. Yeah. Because his his crime is envy. You're like, fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. brilliant. There's, there's a, it's so good, mate. It's almost smug. Almost smoked. The whole the whole end scene is brilliantly paced. You know, with the with the truck being delivered, the fact that he does it in the arsehole of nowhere, but there's there's uh, electrical cabling everywhere, so the helicopter can't land. Yeah. It's just such a well thought out. Like you say, John Doe is in control, and also one of the best opening scenes to a movie ever. Like the the title crawl of this is so dark. It's like straight out of a grunge music video, in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, just quickly. Um, the great thing about Amazon Prime is it's got trivia. You know, when you move the mouse, if you watch on a laptop, which I did, and the original endings that they all had, like someone was like Somerset shoots, you know, he, he was in the box, quickly shoots John Doe. It's like, what are you doing? And they went through so many endings and this is the only ending that could have worked for me. It's the, literally the only one that could have worked. Yeah, because I did, I saw the script to screen um, comparison. You know, when they show you the script to yeah. what actually happened and you, that it does, it is quite different. And there's a lot of that at the time I kind of was thinking, God, if Brad Pitt had improvised a lot of this stuff, hats off to him because the script certainly didn't give him the material that he yeah. saw. And I'm sure you're saying at the end of that, it, the script ends with he puts the gun down. Yeah, so they went through like so many different things that Somerset shot him, they don't shoot him. Um, it, they they like crucify him. I think that was a big one. They were going to crucify him and leave him out there. 
uh, because, you know, he thought he was a god or whatever. But uh, when I was reading through all these different things on the internet, I was like, wow, they made the right decision in keeping this ending, which apparently was one of the original endings, but they thought it was too bleak. I was like, well, you don't want to come out of seven feeling good. It's not a good film. You want to feel, the whole point is you come out feeling a bit shit. But seven's great. Seven, seven is up there. It's a vault movie. It is. It's a vault movie. It's, it's seven, and, and it goes back to that thing as well, is that sometimes the, the crime has to be particularly nasty to get an audience member invested, that you want to see that villain taken down. It, yeah, I mean, taking down Wall Street, taking down a drug dealer, you know, is one thing. But this guy's a particularly nasty bastard. So to see the takedown, or at least the, the attempts to, is there's something you know, really gratifying about that. And that's why I think like when you look at like the James Patterson, originally the novels, I don't think the books ever really gave it the justice. Uh, the, sorry, the, um, the films. films like Along Came Spider and Kiss the Girls and and even they brought out one years later and we talked about with Matthew um, Fox in it. Um, yeah. But those books were always like that. It was like the villain was that bad. It, you, you were invested. And that was a good one because obviously in the film it was Morgan Freeman. So when I read the books, I, in my head it was just Morgan Freeman was Alex Cross. Yeah, that's, that was. I always thought they should have had more fun. Along Came Spider, no, Along Came Spider's um, Casanova, isn't it? No, that's Kiss the Girls. Kiss the Girls. I always remember thinking Kiss the Girls. I was like, oh, this is really, this is really mysterious. And then you meet uh, you uh, the guy who quite clearly is Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and you go Carrie Ellis. He's like, yeah, yeah. Carrie Ellis, that's the name. I was like, when you meet Carrie Ellis, he's doing a different voice. He was like, oh, I know who the villain is. Yeah, the villain's- <laughs> that really disappointed me. Just really enjoying that. Let's, uh, we've got one more movie to talk about. I don't think we talked about Lethal Weapon yet. What, wait, who? Lethal Weapon is the, the, the top one. I'm what? not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm not even going to go into it. We I don't know if we've done Lethal Weapon. We've been doing this for that long. No. But if we haven't, we should do at some point Lethal Weapon, all four of them, because actually the fourth one, I know the fourth one's not that great. But you know what? I like them all. Uh, do you know what? If you talk about originality, it's like it is the Lethal, the lethal Weapon Smell Gibson. Yeah, Riggs, Riggs is Riggs is Riggs is off the edge, mate. Murtock, he's retiring. In that first film, he's only got a few days left. Do you want to jump? Do you? Oh, it's just brilliant. Um, I love *Live Weapon*. They it's are the top one. They're they're great films. They're absolutely great films. Do they take liberties? Yes, because I love in the second one. There's two things I've got wrong with the second one. Is is the bad guy? You need a good bad guy. In the first one, you've got one. You've got mm. a great one. I know there's a general doing drugs. I don't give a toss. It's all about Mr. Joshua. Mm. What, what was he inspired by? Sharks. Sharks. <laughs> Fucking, I love God's it. God's honest truth. Live yeah. Weapon as well is one of the movies that has lots of scenes in it that when I rewatch it, I'm like, you know, like the bit when they do the exchange in the desert and Riggs has got the um, sniper on him. Yeah. Every time that scene comes up, I'm like, fuck, I forgot about this scene. I forgot this this huge segue between what's <laughs> about to happen. Um, but yeah, ultimately, Live Weapon is, is awesome. And I love how you've got this big crime, this big car chase, and it ends on front lawn or someone's house on Christmas Eve. It's so carny, in it? <laughs> beating the shit out of each other. And he's like, do you want to take the belt? It's like, because they know each other from like, I don't know, assassin school or <laughs> like the Marines, wasn't it? No, it was assassin school. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, hey, come on. Just the second one though. The villain's got diplomatic immunity, which means you can do, which means they can do whatever they want without any repercussions. So why are they hiding the fact that they're stealing cougar hands? That, that irritates them in doing drug deals. And then the third one, uh, and then my second point is, if they can go around and kill people, as shown, they start killing the police like crazy. Just go in their house, blow them up, shoot them. Why they put a bomb on Murtaugh's toilet? <laughs> Surely there's better ways of they, killing him. Well, they, they put a bomb on a, on a diving board. But that's what I mean. But I just mean the toilet. Anyone could use that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then and then my third. Unless uh, it was Murtaugh's private <laughs> toilet. Because <laughs> think about it, I think he would have a private toilet. I mean, he's 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 been he's done a lot of things. Maybe he needs it anyway. My th- my third and final point is is if they've got diplomatic immunity, 
why doesn't like the president go uh, hello South Africa? Your, your diplomats like blowing up the entire police force. Could you maybe not? <laughs> Just and no one, no one thinks that's a bit weird. Why South Africa destroying the police department? But there's some great scenes. Um, introduces you to a lot of characters. I even liked Chris Rock in number four. I thought he was a great addition to it. Like the new generation, Joe Pesci in the second one coming as like Leo Getz. Whatever you want, Leo Getz. It's great. Great villains as well throughout. Maybe the fourth one, I know Jet Li, I thought it was brilliant because it's a silent protagonist. I really like the end when they when they walk away. They, Jet Li's going to get arrested no matter what. So they, they're like, let's go. You know, let's let the SWAT team handle him. But no, because they're, you know, their characters show that they're not smart. You know, it's like, how did he do that with the gun? But That's a great line I really is, like. But the fourth one, he's not lethal anymore. He's not. He's, he's, he's Mel Gibson he's, is the lethal dull, weapon. Dull weapon. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's, he's milky tea. <laughs> 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 you're probably gonna drink it but you're not gonna enjoy it i'll accept that yeah he's yeah. milky tea <laughs> but i i yeah the, the first one is particularly special the second one i've got i've got charms with like the second one it doesn't make sense like the dude who's on the on the diving board and he blows up and you're like there's gotta be an easier way like the, he's like Fuck it, i'm gonna bomb in i'm gonna bomb into the pool today <laughs> the villain's like shit he bombed <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't use the high dive board <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leaf Weapon is the number one, and it was always going to be. We've laid the paving for that all the way through this episode. So let's just do some dishonorable mentions, James. The turkeys, oh, because it would be unfair and uncharacteristic of of this podcast not to praise the shit, <laughs> to, to shit on things, and to shit on the shit. Um, Hollywood homicide, one of the worst experiences I've ever had. It's not unbelievable. It's not unbelievable that Harrison Ford and Josh Harnett have to subsidise their wage by also selling houses. It's unbelievable that they exist as human beings. They're so wooden. I generally thought they were the houses they were trying to sell. It was that weird phase of Harrison Ford's life where he started wearing an earring. I fucking... You know, and it just... Straight to DVD nonsense. Wasn't it? But to be oh. fair, it's nice to pinpoint the place where Josh Harnett's career died. <laughs> so I was thinking this the other day. Is it then? Because it, I think Three, three Days and Night came after that. Oh, uh, is that the uh, vampire one? Yeah. Maybe that killed his career. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I always wanted to look at it. I saw Jess Charnett on the uh, West End and he was fucking brilliant. Oh, in, I don't... in Rain Man, he played the Tom Cruise character. Yeah. Well done. Well done there. Uh... Josh. Josh. Uh, <laughs> the man. Obviously not a car uh, movie. It's, it's borderline black exploitation. It's so awful. It's like Samuel Jackson playing like every cool character in the world. And Eugene, and Eugene Levy. Levy just playing like a nerd. It's, it's, it's almost as if it was written... It's, 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 it's Samuel Jackson playing every typecast and Eugene Levy playing Eugene it, Levy. <laughs> in a typecast of Eugene Levy. Uh, it's just shit. Yeah. You, can't, you can only dress up a turd so many ways. This is just a turd on a plate with, with like sprinkled with, like I don't know, glitter. So it's just a glittery turd. We talked about, obviously, Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Starcy and Hutch, which obviously have Ben Sterling as well. I didn't watch it the TV series, so I didn't really get it. I didn't get the nods to it. I know it rife with cameos. You know, it, even, rife with cameos and the, and the car. It seems to be like that they didn't understand what they were writing though. Cause it, cause didn't they swap the characters around? Yeah. Like... So the straight edge one in this case, um, is now the, the, yeah, the, the kind of slacker. But, but why? It's just, it, just, it was just a lot of like sliding over bonnets and not really being that yeah. entertaining. Is it, like, doesn't Snoop Dogg do all the work? That's Hoggy Bear. It's like the informant. I'm sure he does everything. Oh yeah, with the, he shoots the tail of the iguana or whatever. Yeah, something like. And I, and I remember vaguely that, that he's a grass specialist because he doesn't he go undercover as the uh, as the guy who holds the golf clubs. 
Yeah. And he tells the he tells Vince Vaughn, he's like, I don't know anything about golf. I know I know stuff about grass. He's like, get it? Because he because he's Snoop Dogg, he smokes weed. It's just I remember the human being shit at that age, so I can't imagine it's grown any better. I put K9 on this list. He should have done it. It's a crap film. The dog is too the dog is you hit the nail on the head. It's more cop than dog. Than dog. And the problem is uh, Jim Belushi's more useless than, <laughs> than than cop. So what about Top Dog with Chuck Norris and a dog? I still can't believe that film exists. It does. It's yeah. like it's like that film with the the guy with the mustache, Burt Reynolds. He gets he gets like a, like a four year old, like a four year old witnesses a crime. So instead of interrogating him, we get the information out. It's like, well, what do, what do you want? He was like, I'm I'm gonna be a cop to make him a cop. It's like fucking great. That police department's well run. I'm gonna fire through some chips. Terrible shit. Didn't like it. Uh, ride along. Bollocks. Didn't like Kevin it. Kevin Hart Ice Cube just doesn't work. Does no. It? Happy Time Murders. There's, oh, I've I wanted wanted it. that film. Wanted work. it. I just love the idea. And yeah. do you know what parts of it, like the film noir types, were pretty good, but ultimately turd. Uh, R.I.P.D., man. I'm putting it on the list. I've got a soft spot for R.I.P.D. The film itself is crap, but I liked the two main characters. I liked the chief of the dead police. She was crap. She was amazing. However, Kevin Bacon hamming it up, and the graphics were bollocks. Yeah. And the storyline was bollocks. I, I liked the world, but that was it. Yeah, but it tried to do Men in Black. It just is mm. very similar to that. And it weirdly came out after Men in Black, but did not look anywhere near as impressive. And, Jeff Bridges just cashing in. I like the idea that he's like really old because it's a hundred year sentence, yeah. isn't it? Um, so he's been around like he's like Western kind of time. But um, uh, no, I've got a soft spot for it, but it's still not good. Cop Out's probably the big shit. Oh, one. it's just Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. They say never meet your heroes, and uh, unfortunately, Kevin Smith did, and uh, they had a spat, didn't they? He does he's, not like him just now. Terrible. He's like they, he, even. Take away the performances, the storyline about Bruce Willis trying to get some baseball cards back. It's fucking, it's just not even entertaining. On paper, it's not even entertaining. Let alone when you've got to watch it. Um, Showtime with De Niro and Eddie Murphy. I don't understand. I don't understand it. Stop or my mum will shoot. It's only funny because of the story that he got tricked into doing it by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, loose Cannons is uh, Gene Hackman and Dan Aykroyd. That's the one where they lose the track, where he loses his trousers, isn't it? Oh, is it? Mm. Uh, it's goddamn awkward. <laughs> White chicks is on here, um, and then obviously Theodorex with Whoopi Goldberg. With Whoopi Goldberg and a, and a Tyrannosaurus Rex in in a Disney world where dinosaurs didn't where dinosaurs didn't die out, which doesn't explain why they've evolved like humans have evolved. That's right, I science a Disney film, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, there's a lot of questions about this. Isn't there's there? a lot of questions like one, who fucking thought this was a good idea? Two, why is Whoopi Goldberg in it? <laughs> Three, why? <laughs> Four, why have I seen it? <laughs> Five, how much did this monstrosity cost? Oh man, it's terrible. It's a horrible movie. Um, Mr. Stakeout with uh, Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. And uh, uh, they did a sequel, and I swear to God, it's the exact same film. I've more than likely missed loads. Oh, I mean, we have li- missed loads. Literally, this, this list was just pen to paper with no particular order. I, when, when we said we wouldn't do this, with no notes, no, I was just like, an exercise of the brain. What could I kind of think of? And these were the ones that just came to mind. So I know what happened, even though we've done this episode twice. We we'll stop it and I'll go, fucking hell, how did I not talk about that cop movie? You know, whatever. Well, I look forward to tomorrow to read in the comments, you idiots. Yeah. Um, but that is our show next week. Are we doing Star Trek next week? Or we, we are, aren't we? We're doing Star Trek so next Star week. Next We're week. boldly going. And not all of them. No, the not original. The classic. Classic, but not the TV series, not the Chris Pine remakes. No. Just and not even all the classics. It's just, it's just too many of them. Oh, I've seen them all. Yeah, well, I will leave you to boldly go to the ones after the fourth one.
I may get the fifth one in in time. You get the worst one in. Get the worst one. <laughs> yeah, is it? Yeah, six one. Six one's good. Is it? Because I've seen the first one, James. No, the first one's boring. <laughs> we'll get into it next week. <laughs> I'm not a Star Trek uh, enthusiast. Not that I don't like it. I just never watched it growing up. Uh, by the way, I've already written the intro for next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do that. Then. That's Star Trek, and then after that, uh, Sansa Lambs, isn't it? Science. Well, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. It's going to be. Um, Are we ignoring a uh, meat feast? We're ignoring Manhunt. We're just going to do. We're just going to do Anthony Hopkins. No, we'll acknowledge the Brian Cox one because it's on Netflix. Okay. Also, actually, whilst talking about it, Amazon must have just recently released a load of new movies. They have because I can't remember the name of it. Blow dry is on there. What's one blow dry? It's about when an international hairdressing competition comes to Yorkshire and Josh Harnett plays a Yorkshire lad and Alan Rickman plays uh, a um, competitor. So he's like an up-and-coming hairdresser, Josh Harnett from Yorkshire, and it's one of the worst accents you've ever seen. Put to wood into all. And um, Alan Rickman plays the like competitive hairdresser and it's got Bill Nye in it. And it's just fucking, no one is. I don't think a podcast has probably ever done it. So I would love to re-watch this movie. Wow, it exists. That was to, that was that was this episode. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. If you don't see that, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>